we are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, and we are reviewing the races at Phoenix Raceway this past weekend in the Arkham Menard Series as well as the Cup and Xfinity Series. Uh, joining me shortly will be our co-host, Sal Sakiawa. Uh, I'll go ahead and do our review of the night. Uh, we're going to start with the review of the Arkham Art Series race. That was really three series in one race, all racing at one track, uh, Phoenix Raceway. And uh, we'll review that race in the first 15 minutes. Then we'll get into some short track updates as well as uh, some updates from the Camping World Truck Series. They did not race at Phoenix, but they will be racing uh, this coming weekend at Atlanta. Uh, at 9 o'clock, our guest is coming on board, Arkham Menard Series driver Zachary Tinkle with Rain Peterson Racing uh, will be on board. And uh, he's racing across all three series, I believe. We'll talk to him more about that during his interview at 9 o'clock. Um, and he does some great things with uh, animal rescue as well. So uh, we will talk to him about uh, what his passions are uh, in addition to racing. And then uh, after that, we will do our Xfinity Series review of the race at Phoenix. And at 9.30, our next guest comes on board from the SRL Southwest Touring Series, Jacob Gomes is coming on board. He won the second race of their season at All-American Speedway, and we'll talk to him about that. And then afterward, we will get into our Cup Series review of the race at Phoenix Raceway. Ten o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Up with our fan for racing crew, and um, I'm sure everybody will want to stay tuned for that as well. Joining me right now, though, is our co-host for tonight, Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. It's good to have you back. Oh, good evening, Sharon. Oh, good evening. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we're going to get started with the review of the ARCA race at uh, Phoenix Raceway. Taylor Gray. Uh, came home with his first victory in the series, and uh, that was a big win for him. Uh, he had some difficulties coming into the race. Uh, there was an accident uh, with the hauler bringing his car to the track, and uh, from David Gilliland racing, the driver Stephen Scott was um, uh, deceased. And uh, our thoughts and prayers definitely go out to the entire family and everybody who was involved. There were some of the injuries, John Zavero and uh, Michael Mazzell as well. And um, uh, after all of that, uh, Taylor Gray kept his focus and was able to persevere throughout the race at uh, Phoenix Raceway to come home with that victory. Uh, and he honored uh, those drivers by having their name on his car and then uh, mentioning them in victory lane as well. It was a very emotional win for Taylor Gray. So. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> you know, you know, just, just a tragedy that happened, <clears throat> you know, prior, <clears throat> excuse me, prior to the race, um, you know, that, you know, early that week, you know, then, then for them to be able to go out and get a car prepped, 
you know, and ready, you know, to race at that, you know, on that um, Friday, you know, was a, you know, was a feat in itself. He also ran an all-black paint scheme, no sponsors or nothing, you know, this mm-hmm. way, you know, to put more focus, you know, on the, you know, on the, on the tragedy that the team, that the team had, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, but, you know, it was a, it was a, actually it was a good race all the way around, you know, and um, <laughs> Taylor had to, uh, he had to fight off, you know, three, um, three restarts with a lot of pressure, you know, from, you know, from Sammy Smith and, uh, you know, a couple other drivers, you know, but he was able to prevail and, um, you know, and, and, and grab the win. Yes, yes. It was not an easy win. He had to really fight hard to get that victory. Uh, and he's just 16 years old, uh, Sal, which is uh, one of the things that always amazes me. Uh, is how young a lot of these drivers are. Uh, but uh, kudos to him for keeping his focus and getting that victory. Uh, just to kind of, his comment afterwards, is, it felt like they didn't want me to win tonight. Uh, he led 76 laps. Uh, and then he went on to say, all those guys are really tough to beat. We just had a really good race car tonight. So, yeah, that was a big kudos to his team to be able to get that car ready to go uh, for him to race in that event. Um, Finishing in second place was Daniel Dye um, from GMS Racing. Sammy Smith from Kyle Busch Motorsports finished in third. Roger Carruth was fourth. And Jake Drew was the highest finishing Arkham Art Series regular in the field, he finished in fifth. Uh, to round out the top ten, it was Jesse Love, Nick Sanchez, Josh Berry, Derek Krause, and Connor Mosack. Uh, so he beat some really talented drivers to get that victory. Yeah, yes, he did. He, um, like I said, he had a fight off Sammy Smith and, and, and both Daniel Dye. Um, Daniel Dye made a really a really good run, you know, towards the end, you know, to try to catch him, but um, you know, it just didn't didn't have enough at the end, you know, and uh, you know, and Taylor had the right line, you know, um, you know, on the restarts and everything, you know, that they kept him, you know, up front and you know where he needed to be to catch that victory. Yes, indeed, uh, and and like you say, the car uh, was all black and and just had the names of those. <clears throat> individuals on the car um it was it was uh, a big field i think there were what 39 cars on the field um at at uh phoenix and that's just a one mile track so that that was a very heavy field for uh, phoenix raceway and for the arkham Menard series but it, there were also points for the suit chief showdown there were also points for the Arca Menard Series, and it was the season opener for the Arca West. So points in three different series. Yeah, it was a yeah, it was kind of kind of neat the way it um you know the way it all played out you know with the uh, you know with, with the you know running the three series you know um, you know on, on the on the same night you know it was. Uh, but they don't have none of the updated um, series points yet for none of the series. So I guess they'll probably break them all down after the next race. Yes, I believe they will. 
Uh, Taylor led 43 laps of the General Tire 150 at Phoenix Raceway uh, en route to his first ARCA Menard Series victory. And with the win, uh, Gray becomes the 349th different driver to score at least one Arkham and Art Series win. Um, it was his 24th career series start. Uh, as we mentioned, it was a combination race with the Arkham and Art Series West. Uh, so that win is also his fourth West victory in the 11 series starts. Uh, Daniel Dye, who finished in second, um, had his second straight top five finish in the best Arkham and Art Series finish since his win at Berlin Raceway last June with his runner-up finish. Guy led 32 laps, the first lap he's led since his win at Berlin. Sammy Smith, the other competitor, set a new track record in qualifying with a lap at 133.769 miles per hour. He led the most laps, 79, and scored his second consecutive top five finish with a third-place result. Smith also won the season opener at New Smyrna Speedway in February. So not only was there a new record set in qualifying, Gray's 84.409 mile per average uh, result uh, on his way to victory lane, that was a track record as well. Roger Carruth earned his second career top five finish in his first of the season with his fourth place finish. He finished third last October at Salem Speedway. Jake Drew was the highest finishing uh, ARCA West driver, crossing the line in fifth at the finish. He finished 2022, tied with Jesse Love for the championship, but he lost it on a tiebreaker. Uh, the next highest finishing rest regular was Paul Moore, who finished in 11th place. Jesse Love made his first Arkham Menard Series start since his win last October at Salem. He finished in sixth place. Nick Sanchez rebounded from a tough day at Daytona with his seventh place finish. Uh, Daniel Dye actually leads the points by 11 markers over Roger Caruth, Parker Chase, Tony Breidinger, and Nick Sanchez, uh, who are the top five. Among the West regular, Jake Drew leads the way. He's 39 points, uh, with Moore next at 33, ahead of Todd Sousa at 32, and Joey East at 31. That Brian Coltrider arrived at the track after the combined practice and qualifying session. He and his crew unloaded and got the car through tech in time for the start, but they were only able to complete two laps in the race. Coltrider who is returning to the series after losing all of his equipment in a fire two years ago, was delayed by two snowstorms on the way from his home base in Pennsylvania and by a thief who stole the license plate off his trailer in Oklahoma. Five drivers achieved their career best. Arkham Menard Series finish at Phoenix, the winner Taylor Gray, fifth place uh, Jake Drew, tenth place Connor Mosack, 11th place Paul Moore, and 17th place Paul Patron Sully Jr. Six drivers achieved their best career uh, Arca West finish at Phoenix. Second place Daniel Dye, third place Sammy Smith, fourth place Roger Carruth, and 15th place Tony Breidinger, 22nd place Ryan Roulette, and 25th place Sebastian Arias. So uh, some really good stats there from the Arca Menard series on what took place 
Pop Phoenix. Yeah, it was. Uh, <clears throat> um, I don't know if you watched it, but it was a it was a it was a really good I race. There's, yeah, there's a couple couple controvers controversial, um, you know, in, in instances on the track, but other than that, um, you know, it. I mean, it's their first race of the season. They're, they're, you know, trying to get the bugs out, you know, trying to get started. And, um, you know what, uh, it's going to be neat to see, you know, what happens this next race in a couple weeks over here when the West comes, you know, comes down to, um, comes down to oh, Argel Speedway, you know, then, like I said, you know, then, you know, we'll have the break off, you know, with the, you know, with the teams, you know, as far as, you know, who's, who's going to, you know, run for the West series, who's just going to, you know, stay with the, with the regular Arkham and Art series. That's true. Now, the Arkham and Art Series continues Saturday, April the 23rd, running the General Dyer 200 at Talladega. The race is scheduled to begin at noon uh, Central Time, 1 p.m. Eastern. And Arco West, as you mentioned, they're coming back on track Saturday, March the 26th, with the running of the Napa Auto Parts 150, presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame at Irwindale Speedway. They're slated to start at 7.05 local time, 10.05 Eastern time. So, uh, again, this was a fantastic race. Uh, There will be a replay of this race on USA. So uh, watch. You have to check your local listings, I guess, and see when that replay will take place. Let me see. I might have it here. Um, The tape delay of the race at Phoenix Actually, there is no tape delay this time because it was it was uh, actually available on Mass TV Motorsports Network. You know what, it, so there's, there's yeah, no and, 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 and actually, and actually, what Mav does is they'll replay it. Like um, the other night, was it uh, Sunday night? Yeah. Sunday night? No, it was Saturday night. No, it was Saturday night late night when I got back from Murdo Speedway, they were um, they were replaying the race. So if you, if you just keep an eye on Mav TV. And just go through their programming. They'll play it a couple more times. They'll replay it a couple more okay. times. They always do. Okay. It, it was a pretty good race. Uh, a lot on the line. Like I said, the opener for the Sioux Chief Showdown. As and there'll be nine more races there. You've got the Arco West, and they have uh, several more races before their season ends. And then uh, this was the second of twenty races for the Arca Menard Series. So uh, a lot to look forward to in the series as the season marches forward. So yeah, it's it's going to be you know I'm curious how many regular drivers we're going to have this season. You know with the you know with the small schedule again. So um, you know it's going to be kind of neat you know to see who you know. Who you know, I know Bill. You know, yeah, I know we got. I think we got like six or seven that I can just count off the top of my head looking at the. At the stat sheet right now, you know, they're going to be regulars. But then, of course, once yep. we get to, like, Sonoma, you know, we're going to – I'm sure we're going to have a, a, a very big field because you're going to get some of the truck drivers that are going to want to race that – that are going to – you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off because um, yeah. this year this year we have the trucks racing at Sonoma, and I don't know if they're going to be able to, to – to go back to back races because they're going to go from, from one what I hear, they're going to go next. from uh, one race to the next. So they're going to have to jump out of one out of one car, jump into the truck, and uh, that's going to be 
I can yep. be a very tiring yep. driver, very tired driver. Yep. It's time but for us, though, to now move on to the short track racing. And um, Ty Majeski won the, his fifth Rattler 250 on a handicap, and he didn't even know he had the handicap. Uh, and they've got a picture of him over at Racing America with uh, the the rattlesnake around his the back and his shoulders. Uh, that's one trophy I think I could do without, Sal. Yeah, you know what? It's it's kind of neat because uh, you know there's been a couple drivers in the past, you know, that have said, you know, you know, that didn't want to anything to do with the, you know, with the snake. You know what? I'll I'll take the trophy, but you know, you know, keep your snake inside your cage. You know what? And you know, don't be bringing it out. You know, um, but it's kind of neat because some of the guys at that one, like when I go to the snowball derby, you know, some of the photographers from over there, they're posting on social media. You know, this was like their first rattler they ever covered so they 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 want to take a picture with the rattler you know around the neck and all that but Mm -hmm. um you know i i for myself you know what it's i'll take a picture of it i'll look at it but you know ain't no way you're putting no snake around (laughs) my neck even if it's just for 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 a picture i'm sorry yep yep that's uh pretty pretty amazing um so anyway, the, the racing uh, has been pretty cool. Kyle Larson uh, flies to Tulare and captures an Outlaws win at the Thunder Bowl as well on dirt. So Kyle Larson had a busy weekend this weekend uh, as well. Yeah, he did. I, and I, it's funny, I was just up in Tulare last week for uh dad to go up there for work and I and I and I um and I drove by the by the Thunderbolt and I was thinking, man, if, if only my job would have been on a Friday, I could have stayed up here, you know, and you know, watch Carl Arce, you know, race up there, but you know, unfortunately, you know, it was on a Tuesday I think. So I was in and out of town within three hours. So Wow. That small little town. Small little town. But you know, with the tractor, you know, it's very popular. Yes, indeed. Uh, the baby, you know, uh, we had uh, JoJo Wilkinson on our show last Thursday, and she was racing in South Alabama uh, in that baby rattler uh, event. I was looking to see, is that, did she race? Yeah, she finished in 13th just as a follow-up uh, to our guest from last Thursday. Uh, she was able to finish 13th in that race. So that's kind of cool. Well, that's a good, yeah, that's a good finish for her. You know, they have the, you know, <clears throat> you know, they have the baby rattler, then they have rattler, you know, just like, you know, with the snowball, you know, they have the snowflake 100, and then they have the, um, you know, then they have the, uh, um, uh, then they have the snowball derby. Mm-hmm. Now, you a couple know, which, of weeks ago, really Sal, you're right. They 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 do all of that there. Um, well, South, this was South Alabama Speedway, but uh, yeah. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, they had the second race for the SRL Southwest Tour as well. And is it Jacob Gomes? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, Jacob Gomes. Yeah, he won ten thousand uh, dollars with that win at All American Speedway. Uh, Dylan Zampa also had a victory there. 
Yeah, actually, that was Jacob led. Um, he led all the laps. He broke the track record um, in qualifying, and then he went down there, and then he um, he led all the laps for the win for the ten thousand dollar win. Um, it was a very deserving win because last year he had a flat. He had Derek beat and uh, two laps to go, and he got a flat. Oh, Derek, Derek man. went around him and won him. Beat him, yeah, but there's no way even Derek after the race. There, him and Derek Thorne are really good friends. And and even after the race, um, you know, Derek said, you know, he goes, he had me beat. He goes, there's no way I was going to catch him. And also he was wondering why he just slowed down and he ended up getting a flat and ended up losing the race. But um, um, <clears throat> it was a very dominating win, a very good win for him. It was one that he really needed. He had a couple of shots that win last year. Um, he'll, he'll he'll be running the full series, uh, the full SRL series this year. So, you know, it's just something you know we'll talk to him about it. Um, he's been around a long time. He's he's he has his. I think he's one of the drivers also that has his hundred. He has his hundred. Um, he has over hundred starts in the series. There's only four drivers. One of them is Scott Sanchez. The other one is. Uh, is Scott Sanchez, Derek Thorne. Jacob yep. Gomes, and I, and I think it's, I'm not sure, but I think it's Carlos Vieira is the other one that has this, has 100 starts. And Jacob was looking at something like 114 consecutive starts. Wow. And, but then he had, he had a wedding that he went to, and, and, and that, broke the, that broke the streak, or else he would have done them all, you know, consecutively, so... He's been in the series a long time. He's seen a lot happen in it, you know what? And he's a really good driver, really good friend. And um, his uh, interview later on is going to be really exciting. I know he's looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, he's um, got a baby on the way. He got married last year, and uh, he's got a baby on the way. So I know he's looking forward to that, too. Absolutely. Uh, And he will be on at the 930 half hour uh, on Eastern time, and that would be what about – that's a 6.30 your time, right, Sal? Yes, it'll be 6.30 our time, yeah. Okay. Now, I also want to uh, get in here. I know the uh, truck series did not race at uh, Phoenix Raceway this past weekend, uh, so we don't have a review to do for them, but they will be racing uh, at Atlanta Motor Speedway this coming weekend on Saturday, March the 19th. The Freight 208. Uh, at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1, as well as MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will have a practice on Friday, March the 18th at 3.05 to 3.55 p.m. Eastern Time, also on Fox Sports 1, followed by qualifying on Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. That will actually be on Fox Sports 2. So uh, make sure you make that note that you have to go to Fox Sports 2, FS2, to see the qualifying on Saturday morning. And that will go from 10.30 until 11.30, until 11 a.m. Eastern time. So um, definitely it's going to be good to see all three series back on the track at Atlanta Motor Speedway this coming weekend. Yeah, looking forward to seeing the trucks back. I mean, I know, I know they're excited to get back. And, um, you know, um, 
you know, it's going to be, once again, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, another good race. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll put on, you know, for the, for the friends, you know, to get, you know, keep the, uh, keep the momentum going. Absolutely. I did see the entry list uh, for this race, and I see that Ross Chastain is going to be racing. It says the 141 car number for Nice Motorsports. Uh, so it's pretty cool to see uh, Ross Chastain back in the truck series. I think that's going to be – he's going to be tough to beat, I think. Yeah, Ross Chastain, he's um, he's always tough to beat, you know, in any series, you know, that he races in. You know, it'll be good to see, you know, Ross get back behind the wheel of a truck, you know, and, um, you know, and get his, you know, his time in. He's always exciting and a really, really super nice person. You know, if you ever get a chance, you know, around the track, you know, to, to talk to Ross, you know, take the time out. You know, he's really, he's, he really oh, he's loves, a cool um, guy. you know, the fan base. Yeah, he really loves the fan base, you know, and he, and he gives back a lot to the fans. He does. Ty Majeski, the winner of that uh, Rattler 250 at South Alabama, uh, he'll be in the number 66 for Thorsport Racing in that race. And uh, uh, you're one of your guys, Sal, Lawless Allen, also racing with Nice Motorsports. So he's teammate with uh, Ross Chastain this weekend. Yeah, I, actually him and um, Dean uh... – Dean Thompson Dean too Thompson. Is, uh, is also a um, yeah he's also he's he's racing full time with uh, with uh, uh, with Nice Motorsports. Okay, uh, now we have our guest coming up on board here at nine o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, his name is Zachary Tinkle. He's racing with Wayne Peterson Racing in the Arkham Menard Series, uh, and I believe he has some East and West Series races on his schedule as well. We'll talk to him about that. But uh, he's a CRA uh, uh, sportsman champion uh, and uh, making the move into the Arkham and Art Series this year. But he does a lot off the track, too, with Animal Rescue. Uh, so I'm looking forward to talking to Zachary about what he does in that regard as well. You know, we're starting to see a lot of Animal Rescue people, you know, you know, in, in the in the um, in the NASCAR racing series, um, mm-hmm. I know there's a few out here, you know, around town, you know, around you know our local tracks. But I'm starting to notice, you know, that a lot more, you know, NASCAR drivers, you know, are starting to take that, you know, that stance, stance, which is really good, you know, for the, you know, for the animals, you know, that are, uh, you know, that you know that are out there, you know, that really need the help. Well, he also supports reading programs, cancer research, Feeding America, and racing museums. He's he's a little bit of a, a uh, racing history buff as well, so uh, uh, it's it's pretty cool. It looks like he's got quite a few tracks on his schedule for this season, uh, so we'll see him. Uh, this will be his first year, I believe, in the Arkham Art Series. So you know how that first year is. It's all it's all about learning about the tracks. And then when you come back in the following year, you're a little bit more competitive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So and then, you know, at least now, you know, they're giving them, you know, some more practice time, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, and, you know, so I, I mean, at least they're not just throwing them out there to the wolves, you know, and saying here, you know, you know, hopefully, you know, by next season. 
you know, I'm hopefully by next season, you know, we'll have everything opened up, you know, to where, you know, we'll we'll be able to get back, you know, to us, you know, we're, you know, back to the to the old ways again. But it kind of, I don't know if the fans like it more like this. It's kind of seems like they do. You know, with nothing happening at the track on Friday, I know it's saving the teams a lot of money, you know, on tires, on fuel, you know, it's saving the track, you know, money too, you know, having to, you know, to, you know, to open up, you know, especially some of the tracks, you know, that don't get, you know, a good crowd on Friday. But I'm curious to see what stats NASCAR takes, you know, once COVID is completely over, you know, if they're going to go back to the, you know, to the three-day program or if they're just going to try to run, you know, run with the two-day program like they are now. Yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. I think they are looking at that two-day program. Yeah, I mentioned he races with uh, Wayne Peterson Racing, but it's also fast track racing. He was in the number 10 Toyota at Phoenix Raceway this past weekend. He's here now, so I'm going to bring him into the queue. And uh, first of all, Zachary, thank you so much for being here tonight with us. We're looking forward to getting to know you and uh, about your racing career. So thank you for being here. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Okay. We were just uh, talking a little bit about uh, how tough it is. You're you're coming off of the CRA uh, Sportsman Series as a champion, uh, and coming into the Arkham and Art Series uh, for the first year, uh, full-time year, and uh, it, it's a little bit of a transition to do that, uh, coming from CRA to ARCA. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it's a bit of a transition, but honestly, not not as uh, large of a transition as some others, but, um, it you know, there's quite a lot to get used to because the ARCA cars are about 800 pounds heavier. So they definitely are not as responsive. So uh, you have to definitely ease them in and uh, into the corner a lot more. And there's a lot more power as well. So you have to be, there's a lot more finesse in it. There you go. Now also you're going to tracks that you haven't raced at before you were at Phoenix this past weekend. Uh, that had to be an experience because we were talking about how full the field was, 39 cars on that one-mile track. Uh, tell us about your experience at uh, Phoenix because you've never raced there before, have you? Um, it was It was a pretty good experience and, you know, overall it was, there's a lot of positives. Um, we did, you know, quite a few. I did a lot of practice laps on the simulator, so I felt like that really helped me get on up to speed very quickly. And um, we had a, I, I felt a very good qualifying for what we had, um, and we were, I think, eight tenths quicker than we that car was the previous season. So it was a good improvement for the team. And, you know, the race didn't go like we hoped, but we still showed some strong pace, and I feel like we it gave, gave us a good foundation. Absolutely. Now, coming into your first season, you're gonna, this is, you, you raced at Daytona, you raced at Phoenix, um, and you're going to have a lot of tracks that you've never raced at before this year. What are your goals for this first season in the Arkham and Art Series? Well, um, there's not really pretty much my main goal is to just finish finish races and get get 
experience and get the most out of the car I can. But it's also, I also want to learn and, you know, I want to learn and make sure I have improvement before the next season. And as I eventually move up into NASCAR, at least ideally, um, that would be my plan. Oh, okay. Okay, because your ultimate goal is to get into NASCAR as well. Uh, but I know this first season, it, it, it's all about learning the car and learning the tracks and uh, just being a sponge out there on the track. Um, and still, you finished 29th. That's still uh, 10 spots better than some other cars. Yeah, it was was pretty good. We, you know, we I thought we were, you know, unfortunately we had the the engine failure there and we didn't finish, but we had I thought top 20 a top 20 car and that was what I thought was the best part about it. So, um it was it was a good race for us and you know, yes. the, the result wasn't what we hoped, but I felt like it was, you know, we we weren't the slowest car by any means and I think um I'm looking forward to, you know, what the rest of the season holds. Okay. Now, are you racing racing the full season in the Arkham Menard Series and then select races in the East and the West? Is that the way it's working? Well, um, it's mainly the goal would be to run the full season in the Arkham Series, but unfortunately it does does come down to funding. But um, hopefully we – we get sponsorship and we're able to run the full season. Um, so that's kind of our intent is to run the full season. And uh, if we I get opportunities in the East series, like I have before, I'll be sure to try and get in those races as well. Okay. That sounds like a good plan. Um, now joining me is our co-host Sal Segala. And uh, I know he has some questions for you as well, Zachary. So, and then we'll come back to me, and I'll I'll kind of finish up the interview. So, Sal. <laughs> hey, um, Zachary. First of all, I uh, want to uh, welcome you to the show, and uh, you know it's always good, you know, to have you know you know uh, you know di- you know different drivers, you know, what especially first time drivers on the show, you know, because it gives us a chance to get to know you a little bit better for. You know, this way, you know, when we have you on, on upcoming shows, you know, we've already built a little little bit of a of a, of a friendship here. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. So I appreciate being here. So, you know, I was, I was kind of going through your, you know, through your bio and, you know, and everything, you know, seeing, you know, where you got your, you know, your start from. Uh, so it seems like, I guess from the time you were born, I, your your whole idea of life was to be uh, was to try and become a a, a professional um, stock car driver. Pretty much, uh, my mom always kind of jokes that I came out the womb wanting a race, so it's just <laughs> always been my dream to be honest. And it's just you know I've I've never had any second thoughts. It's always why I've, I've always wanted to do and always been my dream and. I'm going out there and trying to pursue it. So who are some of the who are some of the people you know that you know that helped you get your start? You know, like you know when you like when you know, when when you first got into you know the you know the mini cups you know and and uh, you know you started you know um, moving up the ranks 
you know, who are the ones, you know, that, that, you know, that, you know, I guess I am looking for like a driver coach or, you know, a crew chief or something like that. Well, um, so it was actually in many cups. Uh, we had a friend of family friend of ours that kind of, when we first saw the mini cups, um, someone who became, who's eventually become a really good friend of ours, Dallas Frew and his dad, Walt introduced us and they taught my dad and mom a lot about, um, the mini cups, how to set them up. Dallas taught me a lot about driving the mini cup cars. Uh, so they, they are really big help in that aspect. And, uh, now he's, um, you know, now he's actually, you know, this past weekend actually was a member of my crew as well with Andy, Andy's team. And we, um, you know, in many cups, it was just me and my dad as crew, me, my mom and dad as crew. And, you know, we, we were kind of the underdogs and we've worked our way up. You know, it's kind of neat, you know, to see, you know, at such a young age, you know, and all the tracks that, you know, that you've raced at, I mean, because you you raced at some some really tough tracks, you know, you know as you you know, you know through through the you know through all the years that you've you know that you've been racing. I mean Berlin, Bristol, Lucas Oil Raceway, you know, Winchester, Salem. I mean these are tracks, you know, that, that Lebanon, you know, they're not they're not really easy tracks to uh, you know to get accustomed to. Yeah, and that's kind of it's kind of been a philosophy because of mine. Because if you're you're better on the tougher tracks, then you'll be even better on um, the easier tracks, if you will. And uh, if you get used, the main thing is the diversity of those tracks. Because Berlin's way different than Winchester, and uh, and you know one I'd say one tough track is was Mount Lawn Speedway. That was literally a, a baseball diamond that was turned into a racetrack, and it was. It's stuff like that I felt really helps my versatility, and I think that makes you learn a lot and forces you to learn a lot as a race car driver, and it makes you a better driver just by driving and getting experience on those tracks. You know, and not only getting experience on the tracks, but also, you know, the series, you know, the CRA series, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good series, you know, um, you know, the late model tour, it's, um, you know, we've seen a lot of drivers come through there. You know, Stephen Nassie, you've seen Pollard, you know, we've seen Majeski, um, you know, Casey Roderick. I mean, you, I mean, the list, I mean, Chase Elliott, the list just goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, and definitely I have to say the CRA series, it was, it was really competitive. And, you know, we intensely chose CRA not only because it was very competitive, also, very cost. Um, it was very cost, uh, very good for cost at the time in sportsman it was. And it was, you know, we had, it was a lot of diverse schedule with a lot of diverse tracks and there are a lot of great people in CRA and, you know, I was able to learn a lot and also the great reputation of CRA and Glenn Lockett there and they run that very well. And that was something we really wanted to be a part of. So, so how do you find the the balance to be able to keep a, a four proto grade average, while you know, you know, while while you're um, you know looking at tracks that you're going to be you know racing at, you know, coming up, you know, you know, getting the car ready, you know, and then of course you know come the weekend, you know, the travel time it takes to get, you know, from track to track, you know, and uh, you know, how do you find the balance? 
Well, um, for me, I did. I was able to find a great balance when I was in school because uh, we actually did online schooling. So that way I could do assignments and stuff like that. I wouldn't have to physically be in a classroom. So I could do my assignments on the road, at home, or whenever, basically wherever I had Internet access. So it made it a lot more flexible and made it a lot more adaptable to my schedule. So for that, it helped me a lot in that aspect. And that allowed me to not only travel, like go all the way out to California to race the mini cup. Um, and, you know, it was, it, that's how we were able to do it. And it worked great for us in the end, I think. So my last question is, where did the number 53 come from? Um, it was basically kind of one of the – I basically went for – tried to go for a unique number, and that was a number that wasn't used in any series, not even like NASCAR. And so I I basically worked – I basically looked through a bunch of photos. This is like when I even started racing, and it was like a bunch of photos of NASCAR cars and Cup Series, Xfinity, and trucks. And it was like, what were the least common – numbers and I had a short list of it was like 53 um like basically I made a spreadsheet it was like 53 65 there are several other numbers on there and I just I just thought 53 was the one that I just felt was the best one and that was what was available in the first year race race in too so I thought that's how I chose it Ah, that's that's pretty awesome. And with that, Zachary, you know, I just want to wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. And um, you know, and like I said, you know, um, uh, hopefully in the future that we can get you back on. And I'm gonna turn it back over to Sharon. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I um, I very much appreciate being on here, and I'm I'm very grateful that you invited me on. Well, we have a couple other things I want to make sure I introduce to race fans that are getting to know you tonight. Uh, you're you're kind of a, a, a racing history buff. Uh, you design your own paint schemes and logos, uh, and your first mini cup scheme was a tribute to Jeff Gordon's original DuPont paint scheme. You're also a best-selling author. author. You wrote a book and uh, did very well on Amazon with that. And then your great-great-grandfather, Harry McQuinn, is in the National Midget Hall of Fame. He raced in the Indianapolis 500 and was chief steward in the, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, that is quite a resume. Uh, it sounds like you do quite a bit when it comes to your racing. Yeah, and I, I can tell you really did, did your research for this, and, you know, it's um, you know, I, I guess I've done uh, a little bit of everything and, you know, looking back on it, it's, you know, it's, I like, I really like looking at the history because I feel it helps me give more an appreciation for the sport and, you know, having, finding out once I started racing, I had someone in my family that raced before me was really cool. And through me and my dad going back and uh, doing all sorts of historical research. Okay, and and that was a fun thing to do with your dad, too, I'm sure. Uh, and then you're also it, very much involved in several charities, the Pet Rescue, Reading Programs, Cancer Research, Feeding America, and Racing Museums. Uh, but 
I know at Daytona, you actually uh, visited some of the rescue uh, facilities at Daytona when you were there. Did you do that in Phoenix as well? Uh, unfortunately, not for Phoenix, um, due to basically due to we just didn't have uh, we didn't have a, a charity that we were going out there for that specific race. Um, but we okay. did go, you know, to Halifax and Daytona, uh, and it was, you know, with with Grateful Rescue and it was a really fun experience. We got to meet several dogs I, I lost I lost count how many how many I got to give <laughs> treats to probably like a hundred but it was it was pretty it was a great experience and we you know delivered pet supplies peanut butter paper towels and a lot of other stuff that a lot of people don't think about that a rescue may not may need and it was great to have that and it was great to at least contribute and I would love to do something like that for next season in Phoenix if I got the opportunity to do so. Okay. Well, we're coming up to the end of our time here, and there's so many more questions we want to ask you, Zachary. So we hope this isn't the last visit. We hope you do come back and visit us again uh, down the road here. Uh, and we really appreciate you coming on again here tonight. How can fans follow you? I have my um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, um, which is at Zachary Tinkle. And I'm also uh, active on Reddit. So um, user uh, and also my website with ZacharyTinkle.com. And I would love to come back here if I got the opportunity. Okay. And then Zachary, um, when is your next race? Uh, it will be Talladega on April 23rd. Okay. So that you're right on schedule so far. So that's fantastic, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on the track uh, at Talladega and uh, wish you the best. And it was great getting to know you tonight. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care, Zachary. You too. All right. That is Zachary Tinkle. He races with Wayne Peterson and Fast Track Racing in the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, and uh, if the opportunity arises, we'll also see him in the Arkham Menard Series East and West, or at least the East. Uh, and I believe he also raced at uh, New Smyrna uh, at, in Florida just before the uh, Arkham Art Series race at uh, Daytona. So uh, it was really great getting to know him, Sal. Yeah, it was. You know, it's really interesting. You know, he had a lot to say. And, um, you know, it's weird doing the interview. I was going through his, um, you know, through his, all the, you know, stuff that he's involved with, you know. And, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we just barely touched on, you know, a couple of things. (laughs) You know, I'm sure, you know, once, you know, once the season gets going, you know, we'll see him, you know, more. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll hear more about him, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, you know, which will be neat, you know, you know, to see another up and coming driver, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, if he makes his way, you know, through the, makes his way through the ranks, through the, uh, you know, to get to where he wants to go. I mean, he's got his mindset, yeah, you know, he's already started, you know, and he's, 
doing everything poss- possibly, you know, in his own power, you know, you know, to make that dream come true. So now it's just, it's just a matter of him to just, you know, keep on, you know, keep on moving up. Yes, indeed. And I imagine that he will. And he does so many great things uh, within the sport, but also some things to help support others. So uh, it it was fantastic uh, talking with him. It's time for us uh, now, though, to move on to our review of the Arkham, I'm sorry, of the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Phoenix Raceway last Saturday. Uh, Noah Gregson. Uh, pretty much dominated that series on uh, Saturday and uh, came home with his first win of the season, Sal. So and that was pretty cool to see Noah Gregson get that victory. He's had some really good finishes all season long. Yeah, actually, I think he's been the most consistent. I think he's been the most consistent driver, Xfinity driver so far this season. You know, it was you yep. know it's good to see you know get his win you know get his win a lot more earlier, you know than I'm sure you know than even what he expected you know but you know Noah always expects to win every race so you know I'm sure this you know win you know far exceeded you know you know what he really wanted to you know to get after which is good but um you know it's good yeah, to see him you know led. get the win and um yeah he led a lot yeah, of laps <laughs> he did he led 114 laps in the United Rentals 200 at Phoenix on Saturday. It was his first win of the season, his sixth victory in 106 Xfinity Series starts, uh, his fourth top 10 finish of the season, as well as his first victory, and his first victory and fourth top 10 finish in seven races at Phoenix. Um, So the last driver, in his first, his first one, he finished in the top three in all four races. Uh, the last driver to uh, have straight can set four straight uh, top three finishes was Elliot Sadler, who did that in 2012. So uh, he's hoping to maybe accomplish that uh, with this next race. Brandon Jones finished in second place. He led 30 laps and finished second. Uh, that would be Brandon's sixth top 10 finish in 13 races at Phoenix and his second this season. Uh, then it was Josh Berry finishing in third place. Josh Berry posted his first top 10 finish in two races at Phoenix. And uh, the pole sitter, Trevor Bain, finished in fourth place. Then it was John Hunter Nemechek rounding out the top five. The next five drivers were Ty Gibbs in sixth, A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Hemrick, Landon Castle, and Justin Aldauer completing that top ten. Grayson won the second stage, but he was edged out by Bain in that opening stage by just .008 of a second. There were 16 lead changes among six drivers and four cautions for 33 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 98.698 miles per hour. Uh, Sheldon Creed was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So your thoughts about those top 10 drivers, Sal? Yeah, it was, it was a, you know, from what I've seen, I didn't see much of it because we had 
Arundel, we had our opener on Saturday. So I was at the track all day Saturday and all day Saturday night. But I did come home, you know, and check out, you know, I was recording, just kind of skim through, you know, check out the highlights, you know, of course, the race winner. And, um, you know, got to see all that. So, um, you know, it was a, you know, it seemed like ever since they moved the start finish line at Phoenix, you know, the racing has gotten a little bit more, you know, a little bit more better, you know, just by moving. I know a lot of people, they just moved it, but still, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's not where it used to be, you know, so now it's, you know, kind of in a, in a section, you know, to where, you know, you know, you can still race to that, you know, to that checkered flag and, um, you know, congrats to Noah and to the Jarrah Motorsports team, you know, for grabbing this, you know, this win. Like I said, you know, it's early in the season. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. He's punched his ticket for the playoffs this year. Uh, Josh Williams had ignition problems. He ended up finishing in 35th. Parker, Parker Redflack did really good in qualifying. He was in the top five in qualifying, uh, but he ended up with a fuel pump issue. Uh, that gave him his 36th place finish. Anthony Alfredo was still running at the end. Riley Earps also was involved in an accident, and he didn't get the finish that he was looking for uh, this weekend. Uh, and that was kind of – I think he lost his brakes when that happened. He said the pedal went straight to the floor, and he hit the wall. And uh, I'm sure he's, got, he's feeling kind of sore uh, this week. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he is, you know, and, and you know, 38 cars, you know, it's, you know, once again, you know, it's it's not a bad field, you know, um, you know, I remember, you know, we used to see fields, you know, where, you know, drivers didn't make the race, you know, because, you know, there was just, you know, you can only put so many out there, but I mean, you know what, the Xfinity Series continues to, uh, you know, to be, you know, one of the, you know, one of the better, um, uh, Series, you know, to watch Rudd, you know, it's they're you know, they're really putting out a good show, you know what, and it's it's um to be a it's gonna be a fight, you know, when it comes it to the, you know, and you know, on on who's gonna make the um you know, on who's gonna make the chase and who's gonna be stuck, you know, on the outside looking in. Um You wanna cover the points though? Yeah, and actually that's what I was getting to was to the uh, points. Noah Gregson is leading the points right now. Um, Ty Gibbs is sitting second. Justin Allgaier is third. A.J. Allmendinger is fourth. Josh Berry fifth. And Daniel Hamrick is uh, rounds out the top six. And then from there, then we go to Brandon Jones, Ryan Sieg, Sam Mayer, Riley Herbs, Austin Hill, and Trevor Bain. Round up the top twelve. It's 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 really neat to see Trevor Bain, you know, coming back, you know, and you know, making you yeah. know, you know, even though even he's though he's not in the cup the series. Yeah, he's raced two of the four and still hold out of that twelve spot, you know, ahead of Brandon Brown. Sheldon Creed's having his um you know his he's adjusting, you know, for the trucks to the to the stock cars, but still Sheldon ran you know, some of the, what used to be the, um, the NASCAR Canon, you know, West series. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you know, a little bit of adjustment. I'm sure we'll, we'll see Sheldon Creed start to, you know, start to do a little bit better, you know, and probably pick up, yeah. uh, pick up his pace. I always say by the second half of the season, some of these guys, he's one of the rookies. Some of these guys that are rookies, that, that second half of the season, 
uh, is where you start to see their strengths start to show up on the track. And then next year, when he comes back for the second season, uh, we'll even see it more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I imagine we'll see a lot more from him. You know, he's just getting... You know, like like we've always talked about, you know, it's hard to change to a different series, you know, when you don't have, you know, a whole bunch of practice. You know, you only have, True. you know, well, now, you know, it's a practice and a, what, 20-minute practice, I think, is what they gave an auto club, and then, and then they went into qualifying. You know, mm-hmm. well, practice and then cup practice, and then and they went straight into qualifying. They're, they're used to having that, that Friday, you know, two practice sessions, mm-hmm. so. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll see how the season plays out. You know, with these drivers, you know, they're they're really good at what they do. You know, they'll make the adjustments they need to do. And um, you got to remember too, they're they're coming. They'll be coming back to these tracks one more time. So um, yes, you know, we'll see how it does. You know, of course, you know when they come back, it'll be the championship race. So you know, we'll see how yes, how all this plays out. Okay, your guest is going to be coming up here in a few minutes. Let's do the lead-in for for uh, Jacob. Yeah, our next our next guest is Jacob Gomes. He's uh he's been a Jacob's been around a long time racing. Um, like I said, he's got over 100 starts in the um, in the Spears um, SRL Southwest Tour uh, Tour Division. Um, really, really good guy to be around. Really good, strong driver, and. Uh, you know, picked up, you know, you know, his first, well, his first, not his first one, but he picked up the, you know, the win, uh, second race for the SRL series, uh, this past, uh, two weekends ago at, um, at all American speedway, which is a, which is a tough track. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not an easy track to, uh, you know, to get around. It's real small and, uh, you know, it makes for, it makes for some really good racing, but, you know, to lead to lead every single lap against the field that he was racing against, you know, that's a testament, you know, to all the time that, you know, Jacob puts, you know, into his into his racing, you know, into all the you know prep work, you know. And um you know, so I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta give you always give the you always give the drivers kudos, you know, on their um you know, on their wins and and especially in a series that was this tough, you know, to, uh, you know, with some of the drivers that were out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and, you know, that's always a very competitive field when you think about the likes of uh, Derek Thorne and Jeremy Doss and, and uh, some of the other drivers that are out there racing. Buddy Shepard. Buddy had a good finish uh, in that race, too, didn't he? Yeah, Buddy raced it. I don't. He didn't have. He didn't have such a good finish. Um, oh, I thought he did. Yeah, he's. He had. Um, he had his car. His car broke again. But um. Mm. But Jacob's also a past. He's a, Jacob's also a past champion too. He was a champion back in way back in uh, in uh, in 2015. So um. And actually, he he leads. He leads the. He leads the series right now and starts with 107. He would have had 107 consecutive, but he missed one because of a um, because of, of a friend's wedding he went to, and I'm sure that was hard for him to. Uh, you know, he's got more than 107 starts. This is an old statue. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, they don't even they don't even keep this thing upgraded. Gosh, this is horrible. Well, he's got a lot of starts. He's a past champion. How many championships does yeah. he have now? He's got the one in 2015. Oh, okay. So that's pretty cool. So, uh, Jacob Gomes uh, won that big race out there at Bakersfield, California. Uh, He led every lap of the Wild West shootout uh, back in business, so 127 from All-American Speedway for round two of that Southwest Touring Series. Uh, And he brought home a big paycheck of $10,000 from that performance. Yeah, there was they John John Moore went and added he added um he went and added some extra money to the to the purse, you know, um, you know, for whatever for any other drivers that um that went and raced at uh the all star showdown. It's kinda like a little contingency package that John puts together. And um it was really neat, you know, to see, you know, Jacob, you know, go out and get, you know, grab that extra money. Um yeah, he also set a new track right record at, at 12.988 yeah, oh, yeah. seconds on the third mile yeah. oval. So that's yep. pretty cool. He got, yeah, I mean, Derek hasn't even ran that fast on that track. So you figure, you know, you know, you know, you know, for you know, to go to go below 13 seconds on that track is tough. You know, it ha- you have to have the right, you got to have the right setup. You have to have the right conditions and you know everything has to be you know in your favor you know to you know to to run a lap that fast at, at that track especially with as small as this you know and, and you know of course you know you have to have good weather out there and um you know it was a it was a very good uh very good solid solid win from his very good start to the season you know one that he really needs you know since he is competing for a championship this year exactly uh, he's not shown up here yet, Sal, so um, I don't know if you can text him or... Yeah, I've texted him now. Okay. Uh, yeah, he it sounds be, like he, he had... Pardon me? He, he might be getting off his tractor right now. Oh, okay. How did he do in the first race? Uh, the showdown wasn't really... <laughs> Really wanted to talk about. He had his. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had his. He had his issues at the showdown. Let me see where he finished at the showdown. Uh, gosh, they make this thing so hard to maneuver anymore. The. Well, that's okay. We can always ask him, but. Um, uh, yeah, I'll pull it up now. Yeah, they they make it. Um, and the next race, uh, while we're waiting here, I'll just they just raced at All American Speedway. Uh, the next one is going to be at Kern County Raceway on April the twelfth. That's going to be round three. Yes, that'll be out at that'll be out at at, uh, at Kern County. That'll be on the. Hey, you know, current that'll be on the eighth. Sure. It says April second. Or yeah, I, that's what I mean, April second. Okay. 
Yeah, here it is right here. He finished He finished eighth in the All-Star Showdown. Okay, well, that's not a bad finish. No, it's, it's not. I mean, he, he, you know, and then, like I said, last year he finished, he was runner-up to Derek last year in the, um, in the, in the, in the uh, tour series. And then, mm-hmm. um, like I said, then back in 2015, he had his, uh, you know, it's when he had his championship year. Um, you know, he's got a, a lot of good sponsors. It's, it's, it's kind of ironic because most of the sponsors from out there, like where he lives, Derek lives and, and, um, you know, they all have the, cause it, it's a, it's a farming, it's a farming community out there in Bakersfield. So, uh, his, his yeah. nickname is the Bacon Boy, Bacon Boy, because of, uh, <laughs> you know, the, um, some of the farming he does out there and, uh, one of the farms that, that sponsors him. And I'm sure you probably have his, uh, Sunnyvale. I think it's Sunnyvale oh, Farms. Sure. Um, yeah, um, you, you'll find their bacon at the Walmart. Point. Probably, so I'm sure I am. I'm sure I have. He's also second in the points. Yeah, right now? Mm-hmm. A three-point yeah, difference from Jeremy Doss. Yeah, he's just yeah, he's just a click. He's just a click behind Jeremy, three points behind going into the next race. And, and James Hansen is another one, too. Kel Kanky, gosh, you know, you look at the names up and down the, you know, up and down the um, – Mhm. Up and down the series, you know what? And you, you know, you look at some, you know, Trevor Huddleston. You know, gosh, I mean, you know, Dan Holtz has been in the series for, you know, gosh, for forever and ever too. You know, he don't have as many starts, but Dan Holtz is an is an old timer, and uh, you know, of course, um, uh, Kel Kanky, Riley Dan is MK uh, who? It looks like Riley Earps. They're showing him in eighteen. No, no. Oh no, no, he went and raced the All Star Showdown. Oh, okay. R- Riley was in Vegas that weekend. Gotcha. Okay. The, the, yeah, yeah. This is this is the Vegas weekend race. Oh, okay. I'm looking at the points anyway. I wasn't. Yeah, that was the the points. His name just happens to be on that list. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The whole. Okay. Yeah. The whole well, I'm points. thinking. Maybe we should go ahead and do the um, review for Cup uh, because he hasn't shown up here yet. Um, and then if he does show up, uh, let me see if I can do split green here. Um, and if he does show up, then uh, we can bring him back in. Okay, yeah. I, okay. I, 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 uh, I, I sent him out a couple of uh, a couple. Of, Text messages, so I'm sure he'll be getting he'll be getting back to us here pretty quick. Okay, uh, I just want to cover the race that took place at Phoenix uh, for the Cup Series too. So while we're waiting for him, I'm going to go ahead and get started with that. Uh, the last race was the Ru- Ruoff Mortgage 500K, and uh, Chase Briscoe. How cool was that to see Chase Briscoe uh, come home? with his first victory at Phoenix. Uh, uh, all three drivers were vying for their first career victory in the Marquee NASCAR Cup Series uh, that decided the dramatic outcome at Phoenix on Sunday. 
Uh, he had to hold off not one, not two, but three late race restarts on the one-mile desert oval, including the final restart with three laps remaining in order to earn his first career victory. Uh, so Chase Briscoe in the number 14 for Stuart House Racing brought home his first career win. He's the 200th different race winner in Cup Series history. He won the 18th annual uh, Ruach Mortgage 500. It was his first victory in 40 Cup starts and his first victory in second top 10 finish this season. And when it comes to Phoenix Raceway, it was his first victory and first option in three races at Phoenix. Um, so we talked about all three of the top three drivers were racing for their first win. Uh, coming in second was Ross Chastain. Uh, Ross posted his first top ten finish in eight starts at Phoenix and his second top five of this season, followed by Reddick, who was um, – uh, able to post his first top 10 finishing five races at Phoenix um, Raceway. And uh, he uh, he was followed by uh, the pole sitter, Ryan Blaney, Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Joy Logano, Daniel Suarez, and Chris Busher. Briscoe led 101 laps on the day, and he held off the late charge by Chastain after that restart with three laps to go uh, to win by .771 uh, thousandths of a second. Stage one was won by William Byron. Stage two by Ryan Blaney. There were 14 lead changes among six drivers, eight cautions for 52 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 100.339 miles per hour. Todd Gilliland was the very highest finishing rookie. He finished in 19th place. And uh, Chase Briscoe becomes the third Cup Series driver to earn the first career win at Phoenix. He joined Alan Kowicki, who did it in 1988, and Bobby Hamilton, who won there his first victory in 1996. So that's uh, pretty cool. I thought it was very cool to see Chase Crystal uh, get that first victory. Yes, it was, you know, and it was one, you know, that, you know, Stuart Haas Racing, they really needed a win, you know, uh, you know, especially after the season they had last year. Um, you know, they were, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny because Chase was, Chase Briscoe was chosen by Tony Stewart, you know, to run in this, you know, to run this yes. car. But not only that, but, you know, you think about Stuart Haas Racing, you know, getting the win on Sunday, and actually Stuart Haas Racing went two for two on Sunday on wins. Well, not Stuart Haas Racing, but Tony Stewart, because Tony Stewart oh, yes. over in Gainesville, Gainesville, yeah, he brought up Matt, H- Matt Hagen, won the funny car uh, race over in over in Gainesville for for TSR for Tony Stewart Racing. So actually, Tony went two for two on Sunday. You know, one from uh, one from Florida, you know, and the other one from Phoenix. So you you know you're talking about being on the other side of the continent. You know, and uh, yeah, you no know, it, was, it was neat, and it was neat to see Tony. 
you know, instead of being in the announcer's booth, you know, this is one of his off races. So he was able to be over there, you know, you know, with Matt, you know, you know, to celebrate their first win. There's a lot of good pictures by Will Esther, who, who we've had on the show before. Uh, Will Esther, mm-hmm. a photographer from, uh, you know, from, from the win over there. But, you know, going back to over here, you know, it's neat to see Stuart Haas race, you know, get the win with uh, Chase Briscoe. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, boy, he was, he was excited for that win. You know, and when you look at the wins list, four races, four drivers, Kyle Larson, Daytona, Chase Briscoe, uh, just this weekend, Austin Sindrick. Uh, actually, Kyle Larson won at Auto Club. Uh, Austin Sindrick won at Daytona in Alabama. And Alex Bowman. Where did Alex? Vegas, um, Las Vegas. Las Vegas, thank you. So, yeah, four races, four different winners. Uh, and we kind of talked about how we thought maybe it would be the newer drivers that would adapt to this new car the quickest. And I think that's really kind of showing uh, that that is the case, that these guys have figured out this car a lot quicker uh, than some of the older drivers that have to make that adjustment uh, from the old car. You, you know what, and it's true. I mean, there's a lot of factors, you know, that a lot of people can factor in, you know, where they say that. Um you know, one of them, of course, could be said, you know, is that, you know, the older drivers, they're used to the older car, and it's more harder to get used to a newer car than what it is for an experienced driver to come into a new car and just pick up from it, you know, right out of the gate, you know, because exactly. they, they didn't have the experience from the old car, you know, they don't bring their bad habits or, you know, or their driving styles, whatever you want to call it, you know, into, into the new car, you know, and these new cars, they drive a lot different. You know, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's, you know, that could be one of the things right there. Because when you look look at the top three, Chase Briscoe, Ross Chastain, and Tyler Reddick, you know, Chase yeah. is, you know, you know, you know, Ross Chastain didn't really have too much experience in the cup cars. You know, then, of course, you know, then you start going down, you know, Ryan Blady, Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick, who had a really good finish, Kyle Busch, who had another good finish, a seventh-place finish, Joey Logano, Daniel Suarez, who's really having a, an awesome season, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you start looking at the older drivers, you know, where the, you know, where they, they're starting to, to shine, you know, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, you know, Kevin Harvick, you know, Joey Logano, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's, you know, and you kind of wonder if Brad would have stayed with me in that upper top, you know, three or four, top five, two, <laughs> you know, if he would have gone over, you know, it makes you know, wonder, doesn't he's it? Oh, he's having his his issues, but you know what? Um, that's part of being a, you know, that's part of being a you know owner's driver. You know, just like Hamlin, but yep. but Hamlin's Hamlin's with um, you know he's been with JGR a long time. You know, so it's a kind of a little bit different situation. You know, Hamlin's not driving his own car, but you know to see yeah. Kurt Busch, you know, get the finish he had, the fifth place, you know, was was really. I'm sure that was really you know, a, a smile on their face. It really was. And then you've got Kyle Larson, the drivers that didn't have the days that they wanted because they had issues with their car. Kyle Larson had an engine issue. Uh, Martin Trucks Jr. and Corey LaJoy were involved in accidents. Uh, but only three cars uh, had those types of situations. Uh, 
and that's why they're the last three cars on the finishing order. Uh, but uh, I thought the race was really good at uh, um, uh, at uh, Phoenix Raceway, and uh, I thought that these guys put on a really, really good show. Oh yeah, yeah, they, they did put on a good show, you know, and uh, you know, and, and you know, a lot of it, you know, it's a testament, of course. Number one is the drivers, you know. Number two, the new car, you know. Number three, you know, was the different, you know, configuration, you know, with, uh, you know, with what Phoenix, you know, Speedway did, you know, you know, two years ago, you know, to, you know, to have to have the race that they're having, you know, today. It's going to be kind of neat to see how this car races in Atlanta, you know, with the, you know, the new surface and all that. Mm-hmm. It is going to be interesting. Let's go ahead and make sure we cover the uh, points report here as well, Sal. Okay, let's get to the points. Uh, Cup Series points. After four races. After four races, we got Joy Logano leading the pack. Kyle Busch uh, in second. Chase Elliott third. Kyle Larson fourth. Chase Briscoe jumps in the fifth spot. Eric Almarola sixth. Ryan Blaney in seventh. And Austin Cedric is the highest rookie in the eighth, eighth spot. So he rounds out the top eight. Mm-hmm. And then from there we go to Tyler Reddick, Kevin Harvick, Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Ross Chastain in 14th. Wow, William Byron in 15th. And Austin Dillon round out the top 16 with Bubba Wallace on the outside looking in, along with uh, along with um, Brad Keselowski out there too. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Denny Hamlin uh, down in 27th place. Christopher Bell 30th. Um, Harrison Burton, he's one of the rookies. So. Uh, You'll get some more time. But there's some great, really great names that are kind of back in the field here um, that we're used to seeing up in the front. So, again, uh, with time, I think when we get to the second half of the season, we're going to see some of the veterans start to uh, shine at some of these races. Exactly, because, I mean, Danny Hamlin all the way down at 27th spot, yeah, you know, it it kind of reminded us last year when when Kevin Harvick was down there, yeah, you know, the, you know, fighting, to, you know, fighting to get up there, you know, fighting for, you know, um, you know to you know to get a win, which he's still winless. I think it's, I know. I think they said seventy seventy starts or something like that. You know, he's still winless. It's you know, and, uh, it is amazing. You know, um, you know. Uh, Gosh, she's probably about the biggest name that's down there that's outside of the top 16 right now, besides Brad Keselowski. But, I mean, mm-hmm. Brad's in 18th, you know, and not down, you know, and, you know, down in the dungeon somewhere, you know, trying to trying to find some light, you know. But, Cole Custer, but we, but we don't – yeah, we, no, we know eventually Danny will get out of that dungeon, you know, whether it be with the wind – or he'll just start, you know, digging at the points, you know, and, and get himself back up there. Um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's almost um, uh, inevitable with the driver, you know, of his caliber. 
Exactly, exactly. I would I I would anticipate that he's going to uh, be right on the rise for sure uh, throughout this season, and especially as these guys get to know the car a little bit better. Uh, we've got a little extra time here, Sal. We're at eight nine fifty one, um, and we've kind of covered everything, I think. Was there anything else you wanted to bring up about the Xfinity or Cup Series races this past weekend? Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, Erndel, we had we had our opening, we had our opening season too. So, mm-hmm. our opening night on Saturday, which was which, which was pretty neat. You know, it was nice to see the stands, you know, somewhat full. And you know, just on a on a side note, away from all this, you know, I I think this is going to be the season, Sharon that we're going to see short track racing make a big comeback because I, I think, think with so. the COVID, all the fans stay home and they're looking for something to do now. And, I mean, you can't be going to a racetrack for 10 bucks to see short track racing. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because when the going away from short track race started with the clash was in L.A., that was a short track race. And we had full stands. Nobody expected the fans that we had at Autoco Speedway, they even took down the tarps because remember before we used to have a tarp in turn one and in turn four, they covered like, I don't know how many, you know, six, seven, eight, ten thousand feet. And when mm-hmm. I got to the track on Sunday morning, I knew something was up when those tarps weren't on the on those seats because usually they have been the last few seasons the, the, and the tarps were off. So... You know, we had a good, a good, um, a really good crowd. Irwindale, on the other hand, we sell out our night of destruction. So what they do is they run the Arca West series first, and then they run a night of destruction behind it. You know, the same mm-hmm. night. So in two weeks, we'll have the Arca West series. But the night of destruction is what's going to sell out the crowd. They don't come right. to watch the Arca West series, but. The All-Star Showdown, we didn't have a gimmick race. You know, there was no, like this Saturday, we had a uh, a figure eight boat uh, trailer race, you know, which is a gimmick. We call that a gimmick race to pull the fans, you know, to crash them up, you know, the nine destruction fans. The All-Star Showdown, we didn't have a gimmick race. It was just modified, so late, super late. And, but people and we up. had probably, yeah, we had like 5,000 fans and it's 6,500 you know, to fill up the stands. Yes. So, yeah, so we had I like 5,000 fans. You know, so I, you know, just on a little side note, I, I think, I really think that we're going to, that we're going to see, uh, um, that, you know, short track race is really going to make a big comeback this year. Maybe not so much on the car counts, but hopefully, you know, in the stands, you know, where, where it's really needed. And I was talking with Tim right. and he said, he goes, most of the fans that were here, for the showdown, we're paying fans. Uh, unlike the last couple of years, you know, it's, it's mostly all comp tickets. You know, they give the drivers, mm-hmm. you know, 50 tickets each. And he goes, but he goes, the, our first, um, our first two races, he goes, most of the fans were all, were all paying fans. So mm-hmm. I don't know if the, if, if maybe what they see with the, with the clash or, or just people want to start getting out again, you know, they want to, you know, they want to, um, you know, get out and see some racing, but, uh, 
you know, that was just so, something a little bit on the side that I've noticed. And, you know, and I guess, you know, we'll, we'll see what the other, you know, what everybody else sees too, you know, from, you know, you know, from the rest of the crew here, you know, if they notice that, you know, it wasn't do the short track stuff and, you know, to kind of look at the, and see if they see anything different with that. Exactly. Um, and, and that Irwindale race is on March 26th, so, or is it, no, that's the yeah. Arca race. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the same date. So what they're going to do is, um, is, is they'll, they'll run the Arca West series first. And then, and then they'll do all the crash them up stuff, you know, all the night destruction, you know, the, they'll do the, um, uh, enduro racing, you know, and, you know, they'll do the, um, they'll, they'll burn a car, do a car burn, and then they'll do uh trailer racing and uh, they'll just, they're, all they do is just tear stuff up. <laughs> and, just, and have fun. To, you know, and have fun, pick apart, you know, donate to all the cars that they tear up and stuff and. You know, we have a fireworks show at the end of the night. Oh, okay. So that's up on the side. You know, and, and, and so, I mean, I mean, you got to love it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. If you if you love racing, you you got to love that kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of fans are going to the track, uh, you know, in those areas. Uh, and there's short track racing like that happening all around the country. It's not just in California or Illinois or Alabama. It's all over the country that this kind of racing is going on. And uh, you, all you have to do is look up your local short track and uh, get out there to the racetrack and, and uh, take part in those activities. So it's pretty Plus cool. Plus the fact that we don't have we don't have we're not on the mask mandate anymore. You know, or the you know crowd yeah. mandate. You know, we're only so many people, you know, can get together, you know, um, you know, um, you know, even Disneyland, you, you could walk into a store now without having to put a mask on before you had to wear a mask, you know, right. now they dropped the mask mandate. So now you can walk in, you know, and, um, you know, I mean, the, I mean, look at the stands at Phoenix this past weekend, you know, when they're panning the, the stand, you know, for the conference, you know, it was nice and full. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're panning the stands for the race in Vegas, you know, all, the all of it, you know, I was at auto club. So I, I, a couple of the pictures I posted, I, I did a wide shot just so to get the, you know, to get the full stands in there. Cause usually if the stands are half full, I, I won't, you know, I'll crop the stands out cause I don't want it to look, you know, like there's nobody there, but I mean, right. you know, I, I did a full on shot of the, of the car starting to race, you know, with the, with the well, stands in the background. I mean, you could see how full it was. Well, they are definitely uh, coming to the racetrack uh, this year, and uh, we've seen a lot of full stands this season uh, at all the tracks that they've raced at so far. I don't think we've really seen any empty stands on Sunday uh, at any of the tracks they've been to so far this season. Yeah, so, I mean, I I, I think what it is, I think think just entertainment, all in all, it's just going to really, you know, we're going to see a, a lot of different, you know, changes now. You know, you know, the COVID door, you know, people want to get out. They mm-hmm. want to start doing things and seeing things, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, it's, you know, you know, we'll see it at the, at the you know, at the short tracks, you know, at the racing and with the racing end of it, you know, and, uh, 
you know, all we can do is just, is just keep hoping for the best. You know, that NASCAR keeps putting out a good product. Um, I know there's a lot of a lot of stuff said about the new car. I think the new mm-hmm. car, it, it is, it looks nice. I mean, I you see it a person, really it, it, it looks nice, and, and and it sounds, it sounds like a, like a, sounds like a race car, you know, like a real race mm-hmm. car. It doesn't sound like, you know, like, like the way the other cup cars sound. I mean, these things sound, they're throaty. They have a real deep throat sound to them, you know, and they pop fire exactly. out of the exhaust. They got exhaust on both sides of the car instead of out the back. Yeah. They have a pipe mm-hmm. on each side, and they blow fire out. You know when they when they backfire. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're really cool. Really, That's really, cool. they're really a nice looking car. Yeah. Yes, and NASCAR really did a good job with these. You got to get they, out there they and, really and see them this year. They really did. We're coming up to the end of our time together here, Sal, and uh, uh, it's been great having you back in the booth here. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, are you going to be at this racetrack this weekend? Um, no, actually, my best man in my wedding is getting married this weekend, so we're gonna we're going to the wedding. But oh. um, next Monday, I think I have a schedule. It's Tanner Rice, who drives the number nine for Bill Ma- for Bill McAnally, for Sunrise Ford for Bob Brucati. Rice Ford. Tanner Rice? him on the show. Yeah. He was the one that got dumped by um, Todd Sousa in the, in the Arca West race last this past weekend. He was on a 1-4 oh, okay. ride. The, thir- the 13 ran and ran into him and spun around. So anyways, but Tanner's a local. He's a local from Las Vegas. So um, this is his first season in the Arca West series, Arca Nards West series. Okay, so these, well, I'll these, get that down in our our uh, yeah, schedule I'll, here. And then I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture. I have a whole bunch of pictures of them. So I'll, okay, I'll send you perfect. one. And, and this way we'll... And we'll, then, we'll, um, we'll, we'll... Go ahead. I was going to say on Thursday, uh, we have Christian Rose uh, coming back uh, to talk with us. She's also racing in the Arkham Art Series. So Christian Rose will be back for his second visit already of the season. So looking forward to talking to him on Thursday night. Yeah, that'll be neat. So, okay, Sal, well, I'm going to let you go so we can get into our hot topics here. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next Monday night. Okay, everybody have a safe weekend. Uh, Have fun, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Good night. Okay, good night, Sal. All right, uh, it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. We're a couple minutes past the top of the hour here, and uh, I believe we have uh, Jay Hughesman here. Welcome to the show, Jay. I, I am here indeed. Okay, and also we have Tommy Kraft here tonight. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are you all? Thanks for having me back. Well, we're we're glad to have you here. Uh, I think it's just the three of us here tonight for a uh, hot topic. So, uh, uh, Tommy, why don't we have you uh, kick off the uh, first hot topic tonight? All right. Well, let's go with um, the tenth winner uh, under age thirty youth movement next gen car combination that um, Jay posted. 
earlier. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jay, you get first uh, comment commentary there. Yeah, I know the car was designed to bring other teams to the front, which I think it, it's kind of a combination. Um, and I was going to look to see how Mike put it. Give me a second. But I do think it's kind of a combination. Certain drivers we've seen, um, we're going to come to the front anyway based on based on their talent. But I think we are seeing some teams that are benefiting from the car itself. Now, pairing that up, and uh, I know underneath I put up the uh, point standings as it is right now, that there are still some solid veterans, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, that are at the top of the points, even above the race winners so far. So those drivers are still hanging in there, but we've seen some other teams. Um, and I say Eric Jones, and I know he's not necessarily uh, the younger. He is a previous winner. But just this past weekend, we saw three drivers that didn't have a cup win battling for it. Tyler Reddick, uh, Ross Chastain, who, again, isn't a rookie per se, but I'd say is in his second, third year of full-time, especially with what is now appearing to be a very competitive top-tier team. So I think we're looking at kind of a combination. There's still a couple of the veteran drivers that, for whatever reason, haven't quite figured it out. Harvick got a little more back on track, but we saw Chase Elliott spin out in the closing laps as well. Um, so I think that, that we're in for a good year, a mixture, at least for right now. Uh, enjoy it while you can, because as we always yep. say, the cream rises to the top. <laughs> Hendrick Motorsports, we've seen them get up top already. Penske is there. So, you know, it's not going to last long unless these teams achieve that level and maintain it, uh, you know, as Hendrick. And, you know, and I look at Joe Gibbs Racing, Denny Hamlin, He's just having a rough start to the year, point blank. I, you know, I, you blame it on the yeah. car, blame it on whatever. Tough start. But we know he's going to come around as well. So look out for him coming from 30th back up to the top. I'd say 15. Right. And, and you're right, Jay. We've got a couple of drivers uh, that are doing kind of well. Joy Logano's at the top of the point standings. Um, uh, and that's because of his consistency. But there are other drivers uh, like Harvick, like Denny Hamlin, uh, that have not adapted. And I think we kind of predicted this. We said uh, when this next gen was being introduced uh, that it seems like the younger drivers might adapt to the newer car much more quickly than those drivers that have been driving for years. Uh, with that, you know, last generation car um, and making an adjustment from that car to this car, I think is pretty big. So I think if we get to the second half of this year, I think that we're going to see less and less of that disparity there uh, because these older guys are going to catch up. Uh, And you mentioned Kevin Harvick was up in the top five uh, throughout the race at – uh, at um, Phoenix, so I, I would anticipate more and more of the older guys are going to be up there running for uh, that win as the season progresses, and they are going to get it. It's just going to take them a little bit longer to get it than it is going to take the younger guys, and the younger guys, even though they're adapting to the new car, I think, uh, more quickly, uh, they make their share of mistakes as well, so uh, it's going to be. It is going to be interesting to see 
uh, how this continues to progress over time. And I do think uh, that we are going to see those veterans up there running right with the young guns. Um, but it, it is a combination. Uh, there is a youth movement, without a doubt, uh, and they are making their presence known. Uh, but there's also the next-gen cars. So I would have to say it's probably a combination of both in that regard. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? I'm enjoying seeing um, in the first four races of the season, we've got Austin Sendrick, that is rookie that won the 500 to start off with, and you got Chase Briscoe if you race late in his first win. But um, William Byron, well, he's won before, but he's young. Um, Alex mm-hmm. Bowman is young, getting some wins. Um, but Daniel Suarez and uh, Ross Chastain, uh, Eric Jones, um, they've all been up there. And Eric Jones actually has a win, too. He has two wins, actually, Daytona and Darlington. But either way, so far through the first four races, the top ten has looked a lot different than it did last year uh, with some of mm-hmm. these young guys up every week. And, um, I mean, I like it. Maybe it is the car. Um, but either way, also what happens, too, is is when you have the Daytona 500, um, the guys that usually get top tens in that race, and then in the next week, after qualifying's all said and done and stuff, a lot of the guys that were in the top ten and 20 at Daytona are also in the top ten and 20 at Auto Club. So then, it, like you guys are saying, it'll even out. Um like Kevin Harvick was up there in the top five and top ten this week. Uh, Joey's been up there. Um, one of these veteran guys, they're going to figure it out, and then they're going to be – it'll be like it was last year for the championship four. It'll you know, be Elliot Larson and all those guys. They'll, they'll figure it out, get the wins that they need eventually. But right now, some of those guys are competitive, and some of them are going to be in the playoffs, like Chase Briscoe and Austin Cendrick. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Chastain and some new guys added to that list for the playoffs this year, which is a good thing. So, But um, I'm really excited the way the season has been so far with um, the 500 Auto Club and all the young guys up front. Um, I do miss some of the veterans, but Kurt Busch and Harvick are still there, and they have top tens this week. Okay. Um uh... Let's see, Jay. Did you have a follow-up there? Yeah, one one of the things we mentioned, and we knew this, with putting it, as they say, putting it back in the driver's hands, that it's more about the driver than the car. I know Kyle Busch is one that asked for that, and he's uh, you know mid-packer and still there, just hasn't been. Well, he could have won a race, so you know you can't take him out of that. Kyle Larson, some of these dirt track guys, Chase Briscoe, Tyler Reddick willing to hang it out, especially a couple of tracks we've been at where you put it up against the wall, run that ragged edge that are capitalizing on that right now. As the car develops and the drivers develop, I think you're going to see that come back. Um, Maybe not as much in their favor, but at least a little bit more so. The one thing I did hear, um, I think it was crew chatter between Kevin Harvick and his team when they said, hey, we need you to push it, you know, you know, pick it up a little bit. He said, hey, I'm being smart right now. Being they were on the West Coast swing, and Stuart Haas Racing is one of them that talked about the availability of parts and not having backup cars, that he was just saying, hey, I'm going to bring this car home in one piece. If it's a top 10, so be it. 
you know, but he's gonna, he was driving a little bit more conservatively and not pushing it as hard. He did at Auto Club, and he knew, you know, that was a mistake. He crossed that line. He said he wasn't going to cross that line again. So there, too, right now, they might be in a little bit of, I guess, protective mode, if you will. And there, too, I mean, season long, we talk about it, consistency, and, and that's what Mike talked about was the consistency of it, um, having these guys up at, up, up at the top. So it's a long season, and if you've got to protect your car right now, uh, you know, take those 10th place finishes until you have the fleet built and hit on the exact right setup, you know, then you're going to see these guys really come at it. So I don't think we have anything to worry about. Uh, like Tommy said, enjoy this right now because it's been great. You know, having three guys, and I think Andy is the one that said it, even if Chase Briscoe didn't win that race, obviously he was cheering for him, even though we didn't pick him in our fantasy group. Um, to see any one of those drivers win their first race was going to be awesome. Okay. Um, I am going to uh, kind of, I don't really have a whole lot to add, so uh, Tommy, I'm going to give you the final say here. Uh, I wish Andy was on here since Chase won uh, his first race. Yeah. Um, but uh, all I wanted to add to that was, um, yeah, I just, I'm excited with all these young guys running up front because some of them are definitely going to get a win. And um, like Eric Jones, he's probably going to get another one. Uh you know, Chastain, Suarez, it's only time. And it's exciting to see these young teams already out there competing for wins. So it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I have to agree with you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, okay, Jay, you get the next hot topic. Well, for those that are listening that know me, this one's going to hurt a little bit, but Dave Moody brought up uh, – <laughs> Unnecessary competition yellow. He feels the competition yellow this weekend was unnecessary. And I disagree with that a little bit, but we'll come back around to me. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Okay. Tommy, you get first crack at this one. So I read Dave Moody's tweet, and um, I don't really listen to the SiriusXM um, like that. I usually listen to Dale Jr. download, but... At the end of his tweet, it said something along the lines of they still do the competition caution and I know why or something like that. But I'm assuming what he's referring to is, is they're throwing the competition caution still so you can get a restart um, in the first stage relatively early within the first 20 to 30. Um, so I get what he's saying. Now that practice is back and qualifying, there really is no need for the competition college. It was for the COVID pandemic when they weren't practicing qualifying before the race. And um, maybe they should do away with it, but at the same time, a restart within the first 20 to 30 laps of every race, especially at some of these tracks where there's not really a lot of cautions, let's say, you know, like tracks like Vegas and Kansas. Well, some of these, it depends on the race, but sometimes, like the Coca-Cola 600, sometimes they're kind of caution-free. Starting the competition caution does make it a little bit more exciting. So I understand that. But I also understand why they do away with it. So I'm a little bit torn. Um, 
I'm okay if they do away with it, but then at the same time, I'm also okay with an extra restart. Yeah, they also had this conversation, I think, on the morning drive, which I did catch earlier today. Um, No. And, pardon me? Sorry, that was me. A dog was getting into something. Oh, okay. I thought you had something to say. Um, Anyway, yeah, I I think that uh, they probably could do away with it at some tracks. Um, uh, he mentioned with no practice, it made sense, rain overnight, a green track, no problem. And I agree with that, but they ran a lot of laps this weekend and qualifying and practice, and they know exactly what their tires are doing. So do we really need that? And I, I kind of agree with them, but now if you go to a track like, uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway next week. Uh, that's a brand new track. They haven't raced on that track. Caution would be needed at, at, under those situations. I think it's a good idea. At a track that they've raced at before, uh, they kind of know what the tires are going to do based on the previous years that they've raced at the track and so on and so forth. Uh, I could see them not doing it. But if you're going to a new track like like they are next week at Atlanta, then I think you need a competition caution. So I think it's a situational thing, um, and we don't necessarily have to have it in every single race, uh, but have it when it makes sense uh, to have that extra. And he brings up, you know, we had no practice. If there's rain and it's a green track, then, yeah, you might want to have a competition caution. Um, so those would be the circumstances that I think we could keep it. Uh, but on a on uh, every week basis at tracks that we've raced at before, and they've got plenty of data about, I don't think we we necessarily need it. So Jay, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because I um, can't believe you're disagreeing with Godfather Moody. Yeah, well, that's a, that's why I said <laughs> uh, when Mike put that up there, I was like, man. And I had already heard chatter about it. You're right; it was on the morning drive with. Uh, Pete Pistoni and Mike Bagley. I heard of some of it already even during the race itself. Um, right. This is a case of NASCAR would have to say why they chose to use it here at Phoenix. Auto Club, I know the reason was there. We hadn't been there in two years. But so far this year, we have seen some tire issues. Not necessarily have tires worn out, just how the car and the tires are adapting to the track. And then we put some of that on the team as far as where they're pushing the, uh, the tire pressures. So this early in the season, first time to the tracks, I know we are having practice, but again, it's only a 20-minute practice session. And I think Mike brought that up. Yes, they are having practice, but it's still a relatively short practice. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, and I'm like Tommy. If they were to do away with it, I understand that. I really feel they are doing it for safety and evaluation reasons. I don't buy into the that they're doing it for that extra restart. I know that generates excitement and whatever. I just don't feel NASCAR does that just for that reason. Uh, I've never bought into that black helicopter. Um, <laughs> and if if you're a that like I said, I, I just I, I don't buy that. So I'm gonna, I'm going to stay away from that. I, I do feel like they did it in the intent of safety and evaluation at least maybe through the first, I say 10, maybe 10 races, 
it's about third of the year, or first time we're visiting these tracks. Now, Phoenix is one I wouldn't have thought we necessarily did need to, but like I said, we had seen some tire issues right now. Part of it, teams playing with those tire pressures, learning the new car. Atlanta, the reconfiguration, most definitely I think it should be in play there. Um, as we get to the road courses or other tracks like that, that it's really not as big a factor, then yeah, maybe not unless, and I, that, the ones Moody threw out, you know, rain overnight, you got a green track. See, that one too, I've never fully agreed with that either. I mean, if it's a green track, it's a green track. You just adjust to it. But they do it for a safety reason to evaluate to see how bad the tires are being used up and let teams know that so they don't get in a situation. So that's why I say I think NASCAR has a reason, safety reason, which they're always going to, or usually, I know we had one last week uh, we talked about, but usually erring on the side of safety, and I think that's what it is. Okay. Um, let's see. Tommy, your follow-up. I kind of like the uh, what y'all said about, um, like, for Atlanta next week, since that's the new track, they could go there and, um, and you know, the competition caution makes sense. Or, um, you know, Bristol Dirt coming up. But some, somewhere like Martinsville or uh, Vegas, where they've been in the past, they know, you know, there's, no, there's really no need for one. And I, I know it's not just for the restart. It is for the other reasons. But at the end of the day, I feel like, it is just an exciting element to have that restart there. Um, but either way, I'm fine with it. Um, do away with it or get an extra restart. So uh, like, I'm fine with it either way. But um, I do kind of agree with the if we've been to the track before, there's no need for the competition caution. But if it's a new track, then there is a reason. So I can agree with that. Yeah, like they talked about with Auto Club Speedway and, and Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, I don't have, really have anything to add. You can go ahead and wrap it up. Well, if you're if you're a movie buff and new uh, movie quotes, uh, stick to the basics. It's from the movie Varsity Blues. Amanda just sent me, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, stick with what you know. And that's where I think they can do away with it. Do they have to? Am I going to race heck because they put it out? No. Uh, and again, I don't buy that uh, um, NASCAR's doing it just for the restart or the action, but I wouldn't be upset if they didn't either. So like I said, I don't know that it's necessary, but I'm not in the decision as to why they did it, if there is a valid reason. And we all agree next week at Atlanta, yeah, probably should be in there. So there is a reason for it. If they don't have it, then the next week, uh, I think they're going to Coda, if I'm not mistaken, the circuit of americas yeah i would hope there we don't see it i mean heck we run in the rain there so what's the point of having a caution anyway <laughs> we'll get plenty of those you know whatever happens it's a road course so i think that it is as i think sharon said it's situational still week by week i'm not going to be totally upset and tune out of the race because they threw it but i'm also not going to cry if they don't put it out okay okay tommy you've got the next hot topic Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go with the front row truck, um, the front row 
truck team how their penalty was upheld by NASCAR for the lug nuts. Okay, Jay? Well, I know Tommy didn't get to participate in this one, so it'd be interesting to hear what he has to say. I really still, I'm kind of frustrated with that, and I think there was another um, tweet out, and let me see if that's underneath that. I think I added it, too, from what we talked about the other night. Well, yeah, you did. The fact that they're alleging now that the vendor is selling illegal lug nuts. Oh, yeah. So this was something that did catch my attention, and I haven't seen any clarification on. Apparently, in the past, the cup teams could use those shaved ones. They were legal on the cup side because that's what they're saying is this vendor now has all these shaved ones that they can't get rid of because the cup series went to the one lug nut, um, that that's why they're getting mixed in. why I don't know why that would be a difference on the cup side versus the Xfinity, but gathering from that, they were legal in the cup series up until last year or through last year, and that's what these Xfinity guys and truck guys are getting now. And, and like I said, I like the fact that, I mean, I normally wouldn't say call a company or a team out or something, but if it's multiple teams and you know they're saying, hey, either half the box or all the box is illegal, they're getting parts they can't use and are going to get them in trouble yeah, I fully agree with calling that manufacturer out. And I do think NASCAR needs to step in and, and help with this a little bit and say, hey, these are the specifications we have for the teams. If you're going to be our supplier and one we're going to recommend, you better be delivering what we're, you know, within the specification. You know, I understand if you had one out of 100 and it happens, it happens to get on the car, mm-hmm. man, bummer, uh, you know, and and you can't avoid it because it's on the car. But if they're having to go through a box of 100 lug nuts and only coming out with 10, 15, 25, even 50, 50, I mean, that's just not right in my opinion. Okay. Um, Yeah, I have to kind of agree. Uh, It sounds like this vendor just has an excess of illegal lug nuts on hand, and he's just throwing them in with the legal ones. And, uh, you know, it's part of the weight uh, that they're – buying these lug nuts at and we talked about it on the show on uh, last Thursday uh, what the teams have to do and have done in the past when it comes to all parts that go on to the car they have to do their own quality control if you will and go through and pick out all the illegal lug nuts uh, and get use only the good ones uh, that's their responsibility whether it's you know, any part on the car. They have to make sure that whatever parts they're using, that they are legal parts that they're putting on the car. So I think it's a crappy deal that this organization is selling all of these illegal lug nuts that's kind of forcing these teams to have to have somebody spend their day going through lug nuts to pull out the bad ones. And I don't know what the percentage of bad ones is, uh, but it, it's up to these teams, and if enough teams complain to NASCAR, I think NASCAR should get involved as well. But it's, they need to go back to the vendor and raise uh, a little cane, if you will, about that and tell them that they need to go through and sort those out before they sell them to them um, because they're not really getting what they're paying for uh, if they're having to sort out X number of uh uh, illegal lug nuts. 
And that's what happened with Zane Smith. Zane Smith uh, has uh, apparently nobody went through those lug nuts. They were just using the lug nuts that were in the box. And some of them were, in fact, illegal. Um, and then what we brought up on the show earlier, uh, just for your benefit, uh, uh, Tommy, is that uh, these teams know that they have to go through and sort through that and pull out all the illegal ones. But I do agree that if it's excessive, uh, then NASCAR does need to get involved. But these teams also need to push back uh, with that vendor. Um, we are coming up at this time of the night where if you're listening to the show for the first time, I'd like to give you an alert that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, but we are going to continue our conversation, and you're going to hear us go off the air kind of mid-sentence. Uh, so we record the rest of the conversation as part of our bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. So what I do is I go out on Twitter to let everybody know that the, we're finished with the show uh, and that the podcast available. And at that point, you just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. And you can do it later tonight or tomorrow or whenever it's convenient for you. Um, but again, uh, I just want to make sure that we kind of give the heads up to anybody tuning in for the first time uh, that that happens on our show uh, and uh, how you can hear the rest of that conversation. So with that, uh, Jay, or Tommy, you brought it up. I guess we're going back to you. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm not surprised that NASCAR upheld the suspension. In my opinion, it's very rare that when they issue, issue penalties that um, – they don't go through with them. They're usually upheld, so not not surprised there. Um, however, though, you know, I don't really know much about the cars a lot. I'm just more so know about the racing, and I kind of get a general idea of the car, I guess. I guess, but um, what I do know is, is after listening to y'all. It sounds like either Front Row Motorsports needs a new quality control guy to check the lug nuts so that way that problem doesn't happen again, or NASCAR should slacken the penalty a little bit because the fact that the manufacturer is giving out illegal lug nuts, um, you know, that's not really fair, in my opinion, to to issue such a stiff penalty. But um, then again, that's why you have a quality, control, a quality control guy to make sure that you don't have illegal lug nuts um, after the manufacturer gives it to you. So either way, mm-hmm. um, somebody to look into that there. And uh, it's just terrible for Zane Smith, but, I mean, he's already got a win, so he's already in the playoffs. So at the same time, it didn't really hurt him. I mean, well, the points would have been nice, but – it's still he still has the victory and he's in the playoffs. But it seems like there's some kinks that need to be worked out. It is early on in the season, but with the trucks and the uh the cup cars with the wheels coming off and stuff. So uh they'll figure it out and then, you know, mid season, end of season those problems won't even exist anymore. It'll be other problems that they're trying to fix. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're right, Tommy. Jay, your follow up? I, I promise you, Tommy, they got somebody on that team now that is doing full quality control. 
uh, yeah. for sure. Uh, it was a second-place finish, but it could have cost them another victory had they been in victory lane, you know, and that would have really hurt because that would have been a bonus points uh, for sure moving forward. I was a little surprised when they initially um, said they were appealing the penalty I put on there. I said, I don't know on what basis. As I read and learned more about it, I felt like they had a semi-decent chance of at least getting the penalty lessened um, versus the full disqualification and and no points whatsoever. Uh, Y'all, I understand rule is a rule. They had it on while it was on the track. It happens. The fact that it was coming from the supplier that way, and we've heard more teams saying, yeah, we've had to battle this, and it is happening. Yeah, I really thought maybe it would have at least been a reduced penalty. Give them second place, but find them X amount of dollars, or maybe only 10 points, not uh, the entire race. So, uh, you know, Tommy said maybe a little bit too stiff a penalty there. Um, but that's their decision, that, you know, and, and I'm one that I've always said NASCAR needs to adhere to. Hey, if you're going to have a penalty, I'm up next, I guess, you know, stand behind it um, and make it hurt. So I, I applaud them for that, you know, if they felt. And, and there again, I don't, the lug nut shaved off of the, their tenth on pit road whatever it's saving i don't see you know zane smith had a fast truck it it had nothing to do with the shavings off of that lug nut in my opinion but uh again if it's cheating it's cheating if it's against the rules it's against the rules so i can't fault nascar but i do think they could have been a little more lenient okay uh tommy any follow-up oh i guess it's back to me um yeah, I, I do think that if if this is a large percentage of illegal nuts that are coming in uh, the box or the container that they're getting these lug nuts from, then, yeah, I, but it's pushback from the organization that's going to make the difference. Uh, and it can't be just one team uh, that is kind of pushing back on this. I think it has to be all the teams that are happen to hire this extra person uh, or just to go through all these lug nuts. Uh, and I don't know that they have to hire an extra person, but somebody, instead of doing what they would normally be doing, they're looking at lug nuts to make sure they're pulling out all the bad ones. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that uh, it's the key is going to be in the pushback on this one. And uh, the teams have to let NASCAR know that that, that is the problem push back at NASCAR, and then the teams along with NASCAR need to address it with the vendor. So that's just the way I look at it. And uh, I know everybody's got their own way of looking at this. Um, uh, But I think we're in in pretty close agreement uh, that this is kind of a a raw deal here and that something needs to be done. Uh, But rather than complaining about it, I say you kind of Go to the source and make the, file the complaint with them. Okay, Tommy, you get the last word here. Maybe I've seen too many conspiracy theories or I'm in too many. But either way, I, I'm thinking about this right now. What if the manufacturer was giving out the illegal uh, lug nuts? Maybe it was a mistake. But what if he was giving them out intentionally knowing that these teams weren't checking to shake things up a little bit, just to give teams penalties or something. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking that it's kind of weird that the manufacturer is giving out 
illegal lug nuts that they know shouldn't be in there, and then the team's not checking it. I don't know. It's, you know, it's, to me, it seems like something's not adding up there after I'm looking back on it. But then again, I certainly see where it can be just a human error mistake, and maybe they just needed to do quality con- control guy, like I said earlier. But either way, I'm sure that won't be happening again at Front Row Motorsports. At least it'll be another team. But uh, Zane Smith's already got a win, so he's fine. And like I said, um, I feel like when NASCAR gives out a suspension now, they uh, they follow through with it and the penalty too. So. Um, they are following through there, but for this one, maybe since it was a manufacturing issue, they should have been a little bit less strict. Okay. Um, Jay, you want to come up with the next hot topic? Yeah, I'm trying to find it on there because I wasn't sure we had any more um, on the board, but it was uh, pre-race penalties I believe it was nine drivers. That's a quarter of the field that has mm-hmm. to go to the back, if you will. Um, you know, and they mentioned that these guys ended up really not even going all the way to the back because there was a quarter of the field that were penalized and having to go through that. So the question there is, uh, why are we still seeing so many? Is it the new car possibly? But also, is that penalty really a penalty? Okay, Tommy, your thoughts. So, yeah, uh, at Daytona, I feel like there wasn't that many cars that had to go to the, the back. But at auto, starting at Auto Club, there was like three or four that didn't pass inspection and had to go to the back. And then at Vegas, there was some. And then this last race, I did see where there was like 10 cars, maybe even more. I don't remember how many it was, but going to the back. So, like I said, I don't really know much about the car. I just know more about the racing part. But um, usually I see where there's a crew member that has to get ejected. And they usually do the car chief, which I guess makes sense because he's the one that oversees making sure that the car does pass inspection. But uh, nine or ten cars pass an inspection. Um, seems like there's nine or ten people that are trying to get a cheated car out there on the track. Uh, but um, you know, if you watch the Dell Junior download enough, you know you're not if you're if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's what they say. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I don't. I'm not promoting the cheating part at all by any means. But what I'm trying to say is, is there's those nine or ten people are trying. They're trying to have a one up on the competition, and they're getting caught, which is a good thing. But um, my next question is, is if you have so many of those cars, 10, 15, not passing inspection, what happens when one of those cars wins and fails inspection? Because I feel like that would be a high possibility with what we're seeing um, since so many cars are not passing. I feel like one of those is eventually going to win, and then is it going to pass inspection to keep the win? Okay. Um, that's an interesting scenario there. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've often heard that sometimes what they'll do is they'll put one very obvious uh, violation out there and kind of, as kind of a smoke screen for something bigger that they're doing somewhere else on the car. Um, and I don't know if that's what these guys are doing or not, but uh, it makes you wonder... Uh, I think it is a bad trend that we've got so many cars 
that are involved with this, especially after NASCAR came out with the stiffer penalty uh, for uh, the L3 penalty, I think it's called, um, that eliminates you from playoff contention if uh, it's it's if it's that severe. Uh, if you make any modifications to an, uh, a part that you're not authorized to make modifications to, uh, you're going to get a pretty hefty uh, fine with that. Right now, these are pre- and post-race inspections. My question, too, is I don't know that it's really hurting a team to have all these people ejected off of the property. Uh, Chad came out uh, one time in the, from the booth saying he was at home watching the race and communicating via the telephone with everybody. So um, I don't know that this is a, enough of a violation uh, to, to get them to stop it, especially with so many that are still doing it. I think they have to do uh, something a little bit stiffer. What that is, I'm not sure. Uh, but they need to do something stiffer that really discourages these guys uh, from wasting all that time going through inspections two, three, you know, two, two, three different times and sometimes more in order to get to a legal car that they can put on the, onto the track. Um, so to me, they're, they're stealing time <laughs> from themselves. They're stealing time from, from everybody. Uh, by coming to the track with an illegal car. And obviously these inspectors are doing their job. They're catching the violations. So I, I think it's a bad trend. Uh, I, I hope NASCAR can come up with something that's a little bit stiffer that discourages this trend from continuing uh, to be bad uh, and going in the wrong direction. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, first, I can't, I, I can't believe you actually steered away from the uh, adage of if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. Because I know NASCAR is trying to steer away from that. You know, yeah, I don't yes, like that, that adage. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I can't believe that wasn't the first thing you addressed. But, um, <laughs> the, you know, and, and I'm with you on this, Sharon. I agree you'll push the limits, but you know where the line is. Don't go over it. You know, sometimes you do in the gray area. Uh, as you say, I think it was Ray Everham uh, that really, in my mind, became famous for it, but not a rule breaker, rule maker. Like, there wasn't a rule there before, but there is now because of what you've done. So mm-hmm. I, I understand that. You want that advantage. You're pushing. You're, you know, you're knowledgeable, and you're trying to expand. But then be prepared to pay the penalty. Well, in this case, mm-hmm. the penalty really isn't hurting. Uh and I don't remember if it's the team's decision as to who gets ejected, because if not, give up the guy counting lug nuts or checking the lug nuts, because he's already done his job anyhow. So go ahead and send him home <laughs> on his way. <laughs> but uh, I, I just don't see it as as a penalty, it, you know, especially if it's one of the top teams. We saw Kyle Larson go to the back. How many laps was it when he was already in the top 15? Mm-hmm. We saw Kurt Busch actually go have to start a lap down. Gets that early caution if it's a competition uh, caution especially. Well, now he's back on the lead lap, works his way back up to a decent finish. Didn't get the win, but a decent finish. And I think the solution, you were asking about a solution there is, that is one where I think it should be escalating. This week a a team member gets ejected. Next week it's a team member, you go to the back or a lap down. The next time it's two team members, you know, 
start escalating it where, hey, if this is the fifth time this season you've not made it through inspection, you know, we're going to start ramping it up. Yeah, I like that idea. Okay, Tommy? So I just, um, yeah, just the nine to 10 cars not passing inspection, I think is kind of a, a concern that, um, you know, NASCAR should maybe penalize harder for because those that are can, like y'all are saying, they're still not passing inspection cause the penalty is not that severe. Uh, I do know it was a crew member, but I mean, I remember when the crew chief was getting ejected for stuff and then, Basically, he is still the crew chief, even though he's not on top of the pit box. He's still communicating somehow with whoever or something like that, probably, most likely. But um, I just don't think it's a good look for so many cars not pass inspection. But then again, uh, them not passing inspection and having to start a lap down, um, that's what they get. So, But at the same time, uh, at least the next-gen car is all manufactured at the same place and all that good stuff. So that way it's harder for the teams to most likely, uh, you know, hack, do the cheats. But either way, um, they probably will make the penalties worse if they can, if they continue to not pass inspection. Okay. Um I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time here with my phone. Okay, so um, I don't really have anything to add again. So, Jay, I'm going to let you have the final word. I will address, I will address the, uh, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, uh, adage. I, I, don't I knew you wanted to. to. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a good look for NASCAR, in my opinion. I know it's it's kind of a cultural thing uh, that people have seen come through the sport uh, from the early days to where we are today, uh, but we are in a different place today, and we should have grown out of that adage a long time ago, in my estimation. Um, uh, I don't think it's, it's something that we want to teach our kids <laughs> that it's okay to cheat. Uh, because that shows that you're trying. Uh, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, these guys are smart guys. If they can do it that little bit outside of the line, then they can do it that little bit inside the line uh, and be legal. And uh, I, I just think NASCAR needs to be vigilant with this, and I think that they have to give penalties that are going to mean something uh, that will discourage them from continuing to do this practice. Um, and I know even Dale Earnhardt says, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Uh, and he grew up in that culture. Uh, I, I, I just don't think it's a good look for NASCAR. Uh, I don't think it's a good look for the sport. And I don't think we want to uh, crown a champion that has cheated all year long. And when you vendors already... Uh, from and there's only been what four or five races, uh, so you know that's <laughs> that's that's not a good look for the sport. It's not a good look for the team, in my estimation. And I think NASCAR needs to get stiffer with the penalties. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And you get to the final word, Jay. 
Well, and I understand where that adage comes from because, again, NASCAR was born out of the moonshine running. And there was a matter of what more could you do to your car to outrun the cops. Okay, well, once it became a sport, and then it was kind of what we call run what you brung, okay, who could outdo who. But once you got it to a, a, say, sophisticated sport, uh, as it's grown, you have to grow with it. And now you've got rules, and that's kind of gone to the wayside. So I do think that they need to let go of that uh, adage, like you said, uh, of, hey, that's no longer, you know, if you want to do that, go out on the streets or not, uh, not recommending street racing, uh, go out in the cornfield <laughs> or whatever, you and your buddy build what you want and see who can build the fastest. Okay, that's the place for that, not in this uh, sporting event like NASCAR. And, and it's kind of funny that racing is the only one that really has that, you know, uh, other sports that's not, not even a thing of try and get away with it. You know, people still do, but it's not promoted like it is in racing. And now, like I said, there are places that that is still promoted, the run what you brung or whatever, that's great, but then do it there, not at NASCAR level, because it's not what they're about now. Um, going back to the to up in the penalty, and, and I remember this story from uh, I want to say it was Cedar Lake uh, Speedway in Wisconsin. The Canadian driver Tommy Nesbitt is a hundred lap a late model event. Several drivers uh, or a lot of the drivers wanted to change the tire during a red flag that they had. Track said no, that's if you do, you got to go to the back. Tommy said, hey guys, if we all change the tire, we all go to the back. We all come back out in the same running order. No harm, no foul. <laughs> So that's where I feel NASCAR is kind of with this. You got you got a quarter of the field. You're not being penalized going to the back. You're only going a third of the way back. They need to change that because it's really not a penalty anymore. And as Tommy mentioned, you know, even Chad Knauss admitted, oh, you can kick me off the crew box. I can crew chief from home with today's technology. We've been talking about that exactly. for three to five years now. That that's no longer really even a penalty of removing the crew chief. So you know, NASCAR has to do something different. Um, to make it effect an effective penalty. I agree. Okay, uh, let me look at the time here. I guess we're. Uh, Tommy, is are there any more there that we can talk about very quickly, or do you think we've hit the end of the road here? Uh, well, I was just going to say, um, are y'all excited for the new Atlanta? Because I've heard that it's like basically going to be like Talladega that it's going to be that fast and quick, I guess. Uh, Jay? Yeah, I know we talked about this with the probable implementation of the double yellow line. I don't know if we're going to see Daytona Talladega style, but Atlanta was already close to it anyway, so I don't even think it's going to be that much of an evolution of what Atlanta was. The difference is going to be the fact of how the track has changed, not just the reconfiguration of it, but the new pavement. Uh, On the older pavement, you could do that for a lap or two, but then you had to get your car under control because your grip was gone. So I think it's going to be an interesting race. I don't know that we'll see what what they're going to consider Talladega Daytona-style racing, but uh, I think it'll be not long anyway, race or two, and we'll be back to what we've seen accustomed to from Atlanta. Yeah, I think that they're they're saying it for a reason, uh, and I think it is going to be a fast racetrack. Like you said, Jay, it's always been a fast racetrack, and I kind of equate it to a racetrack like uh, Michigan. Michigan's a really fast uh, racetrack as well, and they call that 
similar to a super speedway, uh, but I don't think it's of the caliber of um, of uh, a Talladega or Daytona. Now the proof is in the pudding. Once we get there and we see how these cars race, maybe it will be. Uh, but I, I'm right now uh, before we get there and before I see the cars on the track, I, I'm thinking it's going to be more like a a Michigan super fast racetrack. Uh, and like Atlanta was before, but maybe a, a little bit faster than what Atlanta was before. Um, so we'll see what happens. But uh, I, uh, they, are, they are talking about the restrictor plate. We are putting a restrictor plate uh, to slow the cars down a little bit. So uh, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty racy track. And like you're right, Jade, with the new surface, uh, that's going to definitely be a factor in how these cars perform on race day. So, Tommy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Well, I saw where Kurt Busch was turning, like, ridiculous speeds there when he did the testing at um, Atlanta. So, I know the track's going to be fast, and um, I just saw some of the comparisons out there on to Talladega, which, of course, that excites me because Daytona and Talladega are my, my favorite. I love the super speedway racing stuff. Atlanta is now going to be Atlanta super speedway. Uh, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> the other part of what I'm thinking is, is, you know, Atlanta's had some violent crashes, and if that track is that fast and, you know, it's a new car, um, I'd be concerned about, you know, seeing a violent crash um, this year at that track, and uh, I'm hoping that it, that won't happen. And if it does happen, I'm hoping that whoever it is walks away okay. But um, I'm ready to see this new Atlanta race. Um, I can see the comparison to Michigan. That makes sense. I was even thinking maybe Auto Club because I feel like they kind of reach the same speeds at Auto Club that they do at Atlanta. But, um, yeah, Atlanta Super Speedway would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, any follow-up? Yeah, Tommy mentioned it, and they got to be prepared for it, and that's why they have had uh, different things uh, ready to go, and I think they will this weekend, too, if need be. Of At a mile and a half, with the banking they have there at Atlanta versus uh, Michigan, a little bit wider track or auto club, uh, on the two miles is you can't have that kind of speed on that tight a turn then uh, on a mile and a half. So... Uh, mm-hmm. whether it be restrictor plate or something to that effect, that, yeah, they are going to have to be prepared and hopefully be ahead of the game of once the speeds get, to, get a little uh, to the dangerous level, uh, that they do something before something happens and not react after, that they put it in place. And that's why I think this double yellow line, if they put it in, I understand that because, again, you're talking about cars trying to go to the apron, coming back up onto the track, they hit a guy or hook a guy or something, they're in the wall at those speeds, uh, just not a good good plan. So I think they've already kind of thought about that and taken that option away or that possibility, which I think is good foresight once we see them race. Mm-hmm. Like I said, probably a couple races, maybe two years, maybe they'll take that away. And I don't even know if they've actually implemented it yet. We might not see it until after we see what guys do in practice. Um that goes back to my other, you can't go by that because in practice they might be saying, hey, we got to keep the car for the race. Come race time, come, come into the checkered. I mean, we've seen that. Certain guys are you know, willing to do more so coming to the checkered than they are in practice. 
And then, unless mm-hmm. your name's Ty Gibbs, then you do it on lap three or six or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, sorry, that was that was wrong. That was a jab. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, Tommy. You bring up a really good point. Hopefully, they're going to put in enough. Uh, they'll be vigilant uh, throughout the weekend, uh, and I don't mind them even changing the rules if they have to uh, during the weekend if they, if it's for the sake of safety uh, because I don't want to see somebody get seriously injured uh, for the sake of the thrill. Um, I've never been a big fan of crashes anyway, but uh, I... I uh, I just want everybody to be safe in all of this, and if it means making some changes uh, on the fly, if you will, then I'm all for it because uh, safety kind of trumps everything in my mind. So uh, you get the final word, Tommy. Well, them talking about a restrictor plate for Atlanta is pretty crazy, but, um, (laughs) you know, that's also got me excited. That means it's going to be fast. So, um I would love to see some pack racing in Atlanta. <laughs> um, that means the restart's going to be crazy also. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. But um, just hope that we don't see a uh, Brad Kozlowski, Carl Edwards flip or a uh, oh, Steve crash or something like that, um, especially if the cars are going to be going that fast. So, but either way, um, like I said, Atlanta Super Speedway, and then you'd have Alabama and uh, Georgia and Daytona with all the super speedways all by each other. That's crazy. <laughs> Which is a whole other thing. Okay, let's go ahead and do our roundtable as we sign off here for tonight now. Um, Tommy, you can go ahead and start. Uh, at Since95 Fan on Twitter. Um, I haven't tweeted in a while, and I'm not really writing anything. I need to get back to it. But um, I do enjoy coming on the podcast and and discussing hot topics. So thanks for having me. We're glad to have you. Jay? All right. You can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8, on Twitter and Instagram. And this weekend, not going to make any kind of commitment, but uh, Friday and Saturday – I'm going to be at Livonia Speedway, which is northeast of Atlanta. So I do have to come back home this direction at some point over the weekend. So <laughs> see how tired and wore out I am come uh, su- Sunday. Okay. I'm Fan for Racing Psych on Twitter and Fan for Racing Blog and Radio everywhere else, including our website. However, our website has been down for a little while uh, due to an issue that I'm having with uh, GoDaddy. So I'm hoping that tomorrow I can sit down and work with them and try to get this resolved. Um, it has to do with uh, I had an authentication, two-factor authentication. And when I changed my phone, uh, we reset it to factory, and I lost that authenticator app. And what I did not know is that you have to uh, somehow – transfer that information, which didn't transfer, uh, over to my um, new phone. And then where I had notes, because they delete apps now that haven't been used for a while, I had a note 
uh, that had my, uh, it was a password protected note that had my key in case something like this happened, I could use the key to reset my authenticator app. Well, that note, because I hadn't used it in a while, was deleted from my phone. <laughs> so it did not transfer. So I don't even have the security key that helps me uh, get back in. GoDaddy is is um, making some really wild requests uh, for me to give them in order to get this fixed. And I feel like my site's being held hostage until I give them that information. Um, even though I've given them my account number, I've given them my PIN number, they want my driver's license to be uploaded to them. And I'm not real thrilled about doing that. So um, anyway, I hope to sit down with them tomorrow and get this all worked out uh, so that we can uh, start using the website again and uh, having our, our player over on FanForacing.com. I thank everybody for bearing with us a little bit. Uh, while we go through this, uh, I'm a busy person and I haven't had the time to, to really sit down with them and give them the time that they want in order to get this straightened out. But tomorrow I plan to do that. So hopefully we can get this worked out. Um, and then we'll figure out something else beyond that. <laughs> um, but uh, uh a big shout out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate all of you for doing that. And uh, also to our fan for racing crew here, Tommy, you said it. It's a lot of fun being here on on our, our radio show. We, uh, we all enjoy it. And uh, we appreciate the time that you get a chance to be here with us and uh, all that our fan for racing crew does. Uh, not only on the podcast, but on the articles that are posted at the website as well. So uh, to all of you as well. And uh, Jay mentioned that uh, we have uh, uh, our guest coming up on Monday. Tanner Rice uh, is the guest that he's talking about. And then for Thursday night show, we have Christian Rose. He was on our Monday night show before in February. Uh, we're going to bring him on uh, in March on the Thursday night show and uh, talk to him. He's an ARCA racer, and uh, we'll continue to get to know Christian Rose on Thursday night. So uh, with that, I guess we're ready to call it a night, guys. All right. Good night. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Okay, good night, everybody. <laughs>